This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that if it was Jeffrey Bernard would be unwell. But thankfully, uh, we're all here, so it's not. Jolly good. Anyway, absolutely top, 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 top Chelsea weekend, uh, which reaffirmed why we make the pilgrimage each week. Uh, not that we needed reminding, of course. Uh, Chelsea Supporters Trust doing great work beforehand with a collection for the local food bank, followed by a dazzling performance by Eden Hazard to put the Geordie barcodes and the, spa- spa- blah, 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 the fat Spanish waiter uh, in their place. And to cap it all, to cap it all, an absolutely rocking book launch at the Atlas, uh, courtesy of Marco and Waltz. And then the Chelsea Fancast doing a joint live podcast with London is Blue in the Chelsea Pensioner. The first time we've broadcast from a pub after a match in over five years. It was all too good. Too much fun. And I, I tell you, I suffered all day Sunday as a result. But there we go. If Carlsberg did Saturdays. There we go. Now, uh, our friends in the north and west, the Chelsea Fancast 406 is the title of the show tonight. And I'm joined... As ever, by the ebullient uh, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Oh, Chooch, thanks. I'm feeling ebullient after that weekend. Jolly good. Like yeah, you, cracker. It was a cracker. The um, Chelsea is Blue um, podcast was equally cracking. You were very on form, other than spilling your pint of Guinness and then <laughs> attempting to attempting to lick it up, Chooch. Yes, from the yes. Well, I don't like to waste it. Uh... You don't like to waste it, yeah. It was no. beautifully contained on the tablecloth, to be fair to it. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I may. I, I tell you what, I, I really enjoyed that. It, it really it was, you know, memories of the of the good old days when we used to do it in a pub. I, it was just too much fun. Uh, but before that, of course, we had the delight of Marco's company in the Atlas. What a cracking book launch! We're going to talk about that later, Marco. But it was great to see a great success, wasn't it? It was good fun, and it was uh, remarkable to see the um, the Travis Bickle hair cut that was being sported yes. by 
Bedtime Madness faces Graham Bushel. Fantastic. Mm, mm, Bushes was on good form, looking very much like Travis Bickle indeed. Um, we have also got on the show tonight uh, somebody who I, we don't get on enough, actually. We bloody well should. But, I mean, Joe was actually the... Uh, poor bloke. I, no wonder he's gone. But he, he was the, the closest uh, person sitting near me at the bridge who I kind of knew, if you see what I mean. <laughs> but sensibly, he buggered off. Couldn't take the heat, mate. How are you, Joe? Are you well? Yeah, really well, Jid. Yeah, I, I always find it strange that out of, uh, what, 40,000 people that we did uh, sit about four seats apart. Yeah, that was always <laughs> one of the interesting things, so... Yeah, we didn't figure it out for years, did we? <laughs> no, I, I, I kept looking to my left thinking that guy looks really familiar, but I didn't want to be the uh, the tit to go and say hello and you'd be like, no, my name's Tom. <laughs> yeah, well, I can be quite scary at Stamford Bridge, it has to be said, so uh, <laughs> I can understand that. Uh, Joe, as always, absolute pleasure uh, having you on the show. Now, very quickly, because uh, I'll tell you for why, we're keeping a, a, an eye on the, uh, the live FA Cup draw, which is on the background yeah. on my TV in the eagle's nest, as I like to call my office in the loft. Um, so we're going to whiz through this and then try and do a bit of coverage on it. Anyway, uh, on the show, it's going to be a cracker tonight, loads in the show. Uh, on the show tonight, we will be, as I said, following the FA Cup draw, talking about why the third round is special and why we love the FA Cup and discussing who Chelsea have got. Uh, in part two, uh, we ask Eden Hazard, is, in terms of skill and ability, is he the best player we've seen at Chelsea? Kelvin Barker was asking that question on Twitter on Saturday. I think it was a cracking question to ask. Uh, we'll also be handing the plaudits to Andreas Christensen, Danny Drinkwater, Victor Moses and Maratta, and reminiscing on a fine Chelsea Saturday. In part three, uh, we're going to have a look at today's news, confirming what we already knew, that Cl- Mark Clattenburg's name really is Twattenberg, with his confession that he didn't do his job and send three Spurs players off as he feared the media reaction. Hmm... Anyway, an absolute disgrace, obviously, but what will the ramifications be? Uh, We'll also talk about the rumours that Roman Abramovich is about to offer Leonid Slutsky a job. But don't worry, Antonio Conte is safe. For now. Uh, Anyway, in part four, we've got low. I mean, honestly, Jonathan, we've got a few left over from last week. A few more came in this week, so strap yourself in. We'll see if we get through them all. So there you go. Uh, Now, don't forget, as always, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7 o'clock by going to mixlr.com hyphen, no not hyphen, forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast where you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page as so many of you do. There are loads of you in here tonight. There's less than normal for a Monday. Is it because you think that we wouldn't do a show this Monday because we did one on Saturday? If you did, you're very silly people and you should be in there. Mm. We are professionals. We don't bugger about, mate. You know, Monday night is Chelsea fancast night. Ah, but we have, we've got some new and newer people people haven't seen for a while. Chance 07, Conte Cante Lose. Strange name, but there you go. Uh, Matt Jazz is in there. Shed up a man who saw Ramsey on Saturday. Great to see him. Daniel Cabral, I haven't seen him for a while. Andrew Self, a blow up north. The lovely Jonathan, who we did see in the Atlas and elsewhere. Uh, so fantastic to see so many of you in Mixler tonight. Right, uh, after this short little burst of stuff, uh, it's going to be us talking about the FA Cup.
Right. Um, as I said, it is the FA Cup draw. It, it's kind of live as we're we're talking. It's kind of going out on uh, on BBC Two. I've got a slight, not annoyingly, my television sits behind me, so it's hard for me to actually uh, to see it. But I've got the volume on low, so hopefully I can hear what's going on. Um, but the first thing is, um, I'm going to ask Marco this because I know what the answer is, and and it'll make Chelsea me laugh. Number thirteen. They're number thirteen. That's true. Unlucky for some. Hopefully not us. Marco, who do you want and why? Well, it's the same every year. I always want Leeds United away and then just get disappointed when it's Brentford or Peterborough at home. To be honest with you, <coughs> I just like anyone away. We just seem to get... I know it's, I know it's nice because it's a good opportunity to progress, etc., etc., etc. But um, it's nice to get an away, away tie, isn't it? Um, talking to Brentford, I can't remember if it was the third or the fourth round, but that was a cracking day out, wasn't it? Um, it was, wasn't it? For all sorts of reasons, lots of which we were talking about this weekend. Marco yes. Marin, Marco Marin was my favourite player that day, who was uh, was uh, completely in the pocket of the uh, the Brentford fullback, and it was his last game, I think, for Chelsea. He was so shit, <laughs> it was so appalling. But that happened. That was on the Brentford. That was a Griffin Park. I mean, then Torres scored in the last few minutes, didn't he? That's right. I remember. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember anything in the game other than the fact that we took the piss out of Ross Turnbull saying that he'd won the European Cup and he wasn't quite sure whether we were serious or not and of course absolutely abusing it was the it was the apotheosis of Rafa abuse that season and I'm very proud to say that I could hear myself on the YouTube clip dropping the C-bomb frequently but it was a cracking day out so exactly Marco I think that's the point I, for me personally I like to get a lower league club away in a ground, in a ground, and a club that I've not seen us play before, you know, it's special, isn't it? I mean, Jonathan, the, the cup is special. I think third round particularly. Why do you think well, that is? It's special, Chich, but I, I personally would like um, uh, a very bad uh, uh, third division side at home, uh, and I'd like that the draw then to be continued all the way through up to the semi final. Um, we just get the worst possible side because. <laughs> I don't panic. Then I don't go, God, we've played somebody from the Premier League away. I can't bear it. We might go out. I like the route to the semi-final to be absolutely um, harmless to me. It's purely selfish. Uh, I just want to play very lowly, low, uh, low, low league side teams and beat them easily and just progress at home so I can sit in the same seat and not have to scramble about <laughs> going away. Well, I, so can I'm afraid, I can tell you now I'm that... That's my view Go on, mate. Sorry. of the FA Cup. No, that's always my view of the FA Cup. Yeah. Having, having, you know, been at Bristol City when we went out 2-1, we, I, I can't remember when that was, 77 or something. It was just pathetic. I can't bear it. The, the pain of going away and losing is just beyond, I can't, in the fourth round. I can't, don't want any of that. So as easy as possible, please. And, um, uh, and, as, and as low a, a, a league side, the, the better. And then we can just ease through and I'll be very happy. Thank you. Joe, I mean, you know, who do you want and why, mate? Slightly from the norm here. I mean, I'm going to have to look at Mill. I had to check that they were actually in the draw, but yeah, being uh, originally a, a South London boy, having Millwall would be uh, would be ideal for me, whether it's home or away. But yeah, Leeds, you can't really you can't really top Leeds. I think the Leeds away right. game, what was it, a couple of seasons ago, where we, what was it, 4-5, 6 nil? I know it was quite a thrashing. 5-1, mate. Yeah, oh, that was, that was a, yeah, even Torres scored, yeah. No, it was a... Also, uh, also known as the Limoncello match. Isn't it, Marco? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, for me, I think the, the FA Cup is about the day out, really. Um, 
you know, I, I take Jonathan's point, obviously, to get to the semis and stuff, but maybe I look at the League Cup as, as being the, uh, let's just get a load of easy, easy games and try and get to the semis. But I think the FA Cup is, is always good for a day out. Um, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, you know, obviously we're in the final last year and I, I, I wasn't alone. I was very, very, very disappointed that we we blew a huge chance, not just to win the FA Cup, but to do that rarest of things, uh, an FA Cup and league double. Um so I, I would, re- I really want to. I mean, I always want us to win everything, obviously, but I particularly would like to win the FA Cup this year because I felt so glum about it last last season. Marco, you do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I, I really enjoy the FA Cup. So <laughs> the fact that we just didn't turn up last May was, I don't know, it was just the whole, just made the whole occasion weird uh, for me. So yeah, I'm. Uh, We've got a good heritage in the cup of late, though, haven't we? I mean, I know Arsenal have won it four times in the last five years or whatever it is, but I think our record's pretty good in the last, um, I don't know, 10 years or whatever it is. Um, yeah. I think we're, we're now something like third or fourth in the all-time FA Cup winners list now. I mean, that's the extent to how well we've done in the last 10 years. But, you know, you're right, aren't you? And I, I often wonder this. I wonder that, I mean, you know, Joe's a little bit younger than us, but uh, us three particularly, you know, are the generation that kind of found Chelsea in a sense because of the FA Cup win in the 70s. And I think it's always had a special place in Chelsea supporters' hearts. And, I mean, thankfully, most of our managers have taken it bloody seriously and try and win it. We've had few, we've had very few who have kind of done a Wenger on it, if you see what I mean. Although, of course, ironically, Wenger has tried a lot in the past. I mean, it is special, isn't it, for that reason for us, I think. Anybody. Yes, Chidge. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, Chidge. <laughs> I'm just going to get... I'll tell you what, just for future, I'll do a pre-record and just pump that in on a button whenever it gets a bit tricky. Yes, Chidge. You know, and then we can all go home happy. Um, they're all... I love this. I just heard... I, I know it's starting because Glenn Hoddle's been shaking the balls. Are they Nothing. hot balls? Not even tumbleweed. I don't know, actually. But he gave him a good fondle, as Glenn would, obviously, you know. So it's about to, it's about to kick... Did we get an under-the-ball shot of his hand? We did. Ipswich Town. Versus Sheffield United. I mean, talking Ooh. to Sheffield, actually, that's that. That's another away that I've not done and would love to do, Sheffield Wednesday away. Talking to Sheffield United, um, you have Watford to... Watford versus respect, Bristol. You have to respect any football manager... Who has a tattoo of the club that he manages? You're going to get Who's commitment. That? Aren't you? The, the, the Sheffield United manager. I don't know his Birmingham, name. B- Birmingham versus Burton Albion. Um, the last time I was at Sheffield Wednesday was when Di Matteo um, um, dyed his hair blonde. And uh, Liverpool confused- Everton. Ooh! Really? It confused yeah. everybody, Chidge, because nobody knew who the blonde player was playing for Chelsea. <laughs> and it was went round. People were going, who the fuck's that? Who's that? Who's that player? And it was Dimito with blonde hair. And that was, that was uh, I think we won. Oh, I don't believe it. This is, this is rigged, mate. It's Brighton versus Palace. Really? That's, that's oh. two, yeah, two, two rivalry derbies. Well, well, we'll be playing Spurs then. Probably. Right, we've got Villa. Okay, this could be us, mate. Villa-Chelsea with JT. The JT derby. No. 
Woking or Peterborough? That's a very ooh, dull tie. I'm just saying, ooh, for the hell of it. Okay. Ooh, it's a corner. No, it's not. It's a cup draw. Bournemouth. Oh my Bournemouth. god, it's AFC filed. I've never even heard of AFC filed. You see, that for me is the beauty of the cup. I've not even heard of AFC filed. Right, we've got Coventry next. Coventry versus Stoke. And this is the other thing. I Actually, if there's one thing I hate about the cup draw, it's this endless wait for us to come out. I've, I've known us come out last in cup draws. And it's just Can so I say that traditionally we are number 13? I think that's rather lovely, actually, in the I third round. I like that. Oh, no, Leeds are gone, Marco. Newport County versus Leeds. Oh. <sighs> so who now, mate? Who do you want now? Well, I suppose I've, I've got to... Got to... Got a side with uh, young Joe on that. I think Millwall away would be interesting. Yeah, wouldn't Good it? Was Bolton v Huddersfield, by the way. Are you watching this live on your telly? I am. Yeah, I've got a telly in the ring. Port Vale or Yeovil? A lovely traditional tie, isn't it? Bolton versus Huddersfield. That's almost it is, 1953. It is. You can imagine that. People go. Warner commentating. There. You should be doing this, Jonathan. Do your sort of. 50s broadcaster voice. My man who speaks like that. Yes, him. He should be doing that, shouldn't he? he should Forest be versus out. Arsenal. The Terriers have drawn the Trotters. Yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Trotters Football Club. Trotters FC have drawn the, yes, have drawn the Terriers. Isn't that lovely? They've got lots of farm animals involved. I say. I say. Yes. Brentford, oh, Notts County. Come on, pull... Pull Chelsea out, Glenn, for God's sake. Do your job, mate. QPR. I had a, I had a, um, Mark, Marco, I was thinking in terms of if I was in the... You'd have versions of the songs as if I was in the, um, the East Stand Middle and singing them and the East Stand Middle. So you'd say things like, um, E.I. Adio, those mince pies were great. And, uh, and uh, hello, hello, wake me when we score. Hello, hello, wake me when we score. And... Um, I could see that catching on. <laughs> you've, you've had your day out. Now, off you jolly well go. That would be another thing. And, uh, so. I, I can't turn the radio on without hearing you. Every time there's a commercial break on Talk Sport. Yes. Here comes Jonathan King. <laughs> what, I like, what I like about it is you've either got me doing those reads, which are sort of slightly, you know, um, they're sort of, uh, you know, football youth. You're doing that, not youth. It's that kind of, that kind of attitude. Or I'm doing a very serious one. Or I'm well, I just like, like just like to in- interrupt you for a minute, just to say that we're still out in the bag as as are Man City and Spurs. Ooh. And Millwall. Ooh. Oh, good. And Millwall, yeah, yeah, and Wolves. JK, was that was that you doing that Daily Mail advert as well? I was trying to figure it out if you were trying to disguise your voice so I wouldn't recognise. Spurs, you. Wimbledon. We've we've got we've avoided Spurs. Few, few. Uh, I don't think so, no. Might right. be somebody sounding like me. Sound alike. That happens occasionally. People say, can you sound a bit like Jonathan Coote? And then they <laughs> so, uh, You know you've arrived when people are trying to impersonate you. Yeah, but then they, if the ultimate thing is, can you sound like Jonathan Kidd? Then it's, who's Jonathan Kidd? And then it's, um, can you sound like somebody... It's, it's sound like Jonathan Kidd. Sound like somebody who sounds like Jonathan Kidd. And then finally, it's, who's Jonathan Kidd? That's a, that's a career. I've got, I've got a question for you all. I've got a question for you. Do you shit a brick when we get a non-league team, Marco, away? Not anymore. <laughs> no. 
It's kind of got an accident waiting to happen when I see that. It does always worry me. Well, no, I always think that the ground won't be as bad as it used to be. It used to be they, you know, it was waterlogged and and the ball was really heavy, and so and it was on a slope, so the chances I remember, were. That, remember going to when Wigan were in the fourth division. I think it was about eighty-five or eighty-six. We we it kept getting postponed. The replay, it was a replay. We ended up went up there, and Dixon scored four oh, oh, goals. Oh, hang on, Man City. Middlesbrough, Sunderland. Shoot, no, we, we avoided it. We've avoided City. Middlesbrough against Sunderland. It is the... They've rigged it, haven't they, mate? Yeah, they definitely Fulham have. Still, are Fulham still in it? Fulham away would be good. I like that, yeah. Fulham at home. Are Fulham are in it? it. They're still in the bag. Well, Arsenal, Arsenal have got Knott's Forest away. All right, yeah. all right. God, come on. We're going to be last out. I can just, I've got, I can feel it in my bones. We're going to be last out and we would have pissed around for half an hour waiting for a bloody draw to come out when we could have been talking about <laughs> football. But that's, that's the beauty of live Chelsea fan cast. Right, Stevenage. That'd be boring, wouldn't it, really? Reading. Boo. I'm glad we avoided Reading. That, that's normally one of the most boring games of football I think Chelsea ever played. Newcastle ever. United. Newcastle! Luton Town. <laughs> We're still in there with Millwall. It's going to happen. We are. And Fulham. Oh, Millwall. Millwall. Here we go. Chelsea. Chelsea away. Let's go. Barnsley. Oh, no. It's a fix. 17. Fulham. This time. This time. This Come us. on. Pull us. No! Ah, oh, this is this is arse gravy, mate. Perhaps we're not in the draw, Chief. <laughs> Maybe we're not. Are there any? I don't think there are any. Wickham Wanderers. PNE. No, denied. Oh, so we've got us. Sheffield Wednesday still in there. I don't think there are any of the big teams left in there. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, Norwich City. Don't we? Don't want them. Oh, we got we got Norwich away. Really? Yep. Yeah. We got the pig farmers. Norwich City versus Chelsea. So that means Sheffield Wednesday versus Gillingham or Carlisle. Well, there you go. Norwich City. I don't know if I'm very happy about that. That's a bit of a dull one, really. It's also miles to get to. Oh God. Yeah, it's quite, I've got to be honest, disappointment. We, we we were so in with the chance of getting Phil, Fulham, Millwall uh, and Sheffield Wednesday in the, in the denouement of the draw. And, I, and I've got to be honest, I feel slightly slightly denied by that. Um, so, what, chaps, what do you think? Marco, are you happy or a bit disappointed like me? Well, uh, well to be honest with you, um, given it's an excuse to go and stay at the Outlaws who, who live in Norwich... Um, I'm not too... I'm quite happy with everything. So, Misty will be happy. Good. good well, that's you. a good thing. Yeah, and we'll win, obviously. Obviously, well, obviously. I think the other thing now is that we can probably expect to get something like a Friday night kickoff or Sunday about, you know, six o'clock, which will make it a real load of arse gravy to get there and I back. Which of course that one being on the telly, given, no. given the rest of the draw. I mean, just looking through it, you've got... Man City, but Middlesbrough, Sunderland, Tottenham, Wimbledon, uh, Liverpool, Liverpool, Everton. Liverpool, Everton. Yeah, I mean Brighton. it's actually quite a good 
Sorry, mate. It's it's quite a good draw, I think overall, but I don't think particularly ecstatic for us. Jonathan, how, how do you how do you feel about that? Um, it's not great. They'll you know they'll pull out all the stops, won't they? Um, depends what team he plays. Uh, he might give uh, uh, a few of the uh, the squad a, a run out. Um, uh, mind you, our squad's got a bit better since all the injuries appear to be over. Um, yeah, it's it's a bit of a schlep to get to. Uh, but as you say, if it's sort of suddenly it's on a Friday, uh, it's impossible to get to. Then he won't be getting there. Um, but uh, it's the BBC, isn't it? It's on. Is it? I can't remember what the setup is now for the FA Cup. Is it all the BBC? Uh, it's BT Sport or, and BBC. Of course, BT Sport. Well, yeah, they'll they'll they'll. Um, it, it might end up just being a three o'clock on a Saturday. You never know. Mm, you never know. I'm I kind of with Marco, actually, JK. I, I, I think that the, the TV companies will give that a swerve, given the other ties in the round. Yeah. There are some pretty cracking ones in there. Joe, are you, are you, where, where do you stand on this? You know, disappointed slightly or, or Yeah, well, a little whatever, bit. I mean, know? what are they? There's kind of sort of lower mid table um, in the championship. I think they're about 16th, so not, not doing particularly well. And they might do what Forrest did in, uh, I don't know if it was Forrest in the Cup or the FA Cup, but they... They played sort of an entirely second string side because of the league. So you, you kind of, you don't really know what sort of Norwich team is going to turn up. If it's their first team, it could be a decent game. If it's their second string, then, you know, it, it could just be a complete cakewalk. So, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take it. It's not the best draw, but um, it, it, you know, good I, think, op- I think we should get through. Good opportunity to reprise that chant from a few years ago. We've got a Bramovich, you've got a drunken bitch. Yeah. Oh, well, my other favourite one, Marco, is what is it? Your, your father is your brother, your sister oh, is yeah. your mother. You all fuck one another. You're the Norwich family. <laughs> and there are plenty of others. The pig farmers is what we used to call them. There's, isn't there a wonderful passage in Football Factory about an away trip to Norwich? Or am I confusing this with another book? Who can Sorry, remember? No, I'm sure there is. Or it could be it could be Hooligan. I don't know. There's it's a very funny tale about getting the shit kicked out of you by a bunch of pig farmers. But anyway, enough. Uh, we will be looking forward to that on the uh, the fifth between the fifth and the eighth. Of course, knowing our luck, they'll put it on a bloody Monday night, which means I have to move the uh, the fan cast. But there you go. Uh, I've just had a message on Mixler uh, that the wonderful Bonnie Rig Blues. Apparently, his sister has a B and B in Norwich, so apparently we're all staying uh, at the B and B on you, Bonnie Rig. All right, no problem. <laughs> All right. Um, after the break, finally we can talk football properly. Uh, we're going to ask, is Eden Hazard, in terms of skill and ability, the best player we've seen at Chelsea? We'll also be handing the plaudits to Andreas Christensen, Danny Drinkwater, Victor Moses and Morata, and reminiscing on a fine Chelsea Saturday. We'll see you in a sec. The only place for Chelsea fans... Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Right, welcome back. I'm Sanford Chidge, and uh, you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast, and I have uh, superb company, as always, on this Monday evening in the in the form of Jonathan Kidd. Hello, great to be here, Chidge, as always. Lovely to have you on the show, as always, JK. And we've also got the uh, the fantastic Mr. Mark Worrell. Buonasera. There you go. Who, who uh, I was lucky enough to share uh, some of Walter Otten's limoncello with uh, on the stall before the Newcastle match. <laughs> 
that was very, very uh, tasty. That I have to compliment mm. with his Sorrento lemons. Mm. Yeah, he did a good job. He did a good job. It was tasty. Uh, and last but by no means least, we've got the the very erudite and uh, very nice, lovely man, Mr. Joe Tweeds. <laughs> good evening, one and all. Excellent stuff. Uh, well, that's interesting. I've just got a, a, a mixler from uh, Mark Barford that says that was in the Carefree book, Chidge. I was reading on the train home Saturday. Uh, I think he means the, uh, the the Norwich family song. No doubt Mark will confirm. No, no, I think the... the, the, the oh, drunken remember. bitch. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You've got a drunken bitch, we've got Abramovich. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a great one uh, with her that we used to sing that had something to do with Gordon Ramsay's pies were better than hers as well, I remember. But there you go. So actually, you know, I'm, I'm now beginning to look forward to Norwich in the Cup slightly more than I did before, largely because of the plethora of songs that we have. But we've done that. That was part one. We've moved on from the FA Cup. We'll wait until January to talk about that again. Because what I really want to talk about now is uh, the magnificence of uh, Eden Hazard. And, uh, I mean, you know, obviously... You know, Saturday, I thought he was brilliant. I mean, he, he you know, we were 1-0 down. He was on fire. He pulled us out and scored two super goals. I mean, the Panenka was just hilarious, but his first goal wasn't bad either. Loads of flicks, loads of nutmegs. Um, and uh, I wrote a blog about it for Yahoo, who, of course, are taking an eternity to put it up. Uh, but there we go. Um, and I wrote pretty much asking the same question and perhaps justifying it a bit more fully. But uh, Kelvin kind of kicked this off, actually, on Twitter. Kelvin Barker uh, kicked this off on Twitter and and Kelvin, you know, Kelvin is 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 no spring chicken. He's been watching Chelsea for a long, long time, and more to the point, uh, unlike most of the people that I know, he has an almost photographic memory of games. So if Kelvin Barker goes on Twitter and puts his head above the parapet and says that you know he thinks that Eden Hazard is the best player in terms of skill and ability that he's seen play for Chelsea, I for one sit up and take notice. And, I mean, you know, just recently, I think there's been a real turnaround for Hazard. He scored five goals in his last six games, uh, 15 shots on target, 32 successful dribbles, whatever that's supposed to mean. I mean, the bottom line is, I think he's now entering the form of his life and he's now stepping up uh, and taking control of games, which is what we've all wanted to see. Um, I'm going to ask Jonathan, who, you know, age before beauty chaps, but, of course, um, you know, he's seen even more of Chelsea than Kelvin has. So, what do you think about that claim, J.K.? Is it is it wide of the mark, or is it about? Hang on, it? just let, let me put my hearing aid in a second. What did you say, Chidge? <laughs> well, maybe you saw Jimmy Greaves play for God's sake, so uh, yeah, you, well, you outrank yeah. all of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you know, I was. You, you, you I rank was... higher than all of those in Wome. I have to be very careful uh, yeah, how I but... say that. <laughs> um, I, I I don't remember Greaves obviously because uh, 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 being I think uh, six months old, it would have been difficult for me, but. Um, um, I, I think it's very difficult, isn't it, to assess because the pace of the game is so different. Um, uh, in which case, because the pace of the game, if you compare it with, say, 1970, if you look at a, um, a video of 1970, which has been ref is referred to in one of the emails, in fact, you, it's the it, they're all you know much slower, they're much less fit, um, and yet then there's wonderful skill, but they've got the ability to 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 play within because they're not being they're putting under being put under dreadful pressure by some appalling fouling, but uh, they've got more. They've got more room um, to, to be skillful. It's like Charlie Cook, for example. It'd be interesting to see if he, if he was much fitter because he was a wonderfully skillful player, but a very different, very different environment. So given that the fact the pace of the game is so phenomenal nowadays, I, can, I think one must agree that uh, Hazard is possibly the best 
the best um, Chelsea player we've ever seen. Though I've got, a, I have to say, I, I'm a big fan of um, of, of Arjen Robbins as a as in terms of the same skill. And I think, uh, other than his tendency to uh, to be injured, um, and and he did, he looked as if he was di- diving a bit and falling over in comparison with with uh, Edon, who seems just to be constantly fouled, um, and he's a bit chunkier. Um, so uh, I think it, it, it for me it comes round to that he is he is the best player because even uh, you look at some of the great players of the past, Zola um, wasn't as quick, was was as skillful. Um, but uh, I don't know what his ratio of uh, of um, dribbles and you know and successes of, of and assists was or shots. But uh, and he was a great player. But I I would honestly think that uh, that um, Hazard is getting better and better and has the ability to uh, to become easily the best Chelsea player ever. And I don't think he's I don't think he's at the peak of his powers yet. The dilemma is mm. is will he hang around long enough? Well, what we're going to move on to that. I want to move we on are. to that in a sec. I mean, actually, it's interesting what you say, because I, I think, uh, and I mentioned this in the blog, you know, 26, he's now matured, and I think he is about to hit peak form, the peak form of his career. So that is an interesting question, but I want to I ask that after I've heard from, uh, from Marco and Joe about whether they think he's the best player they've seen or not. Marco, where do you stand on this? Um, uh, do you know what? I, I'm going to stick, if I'm not sticking my neck out, I, I think, I think Kel's right, to be honest with you. I, when he when he said that, I thought mm, Zola, uh, mm. but I, I just think if you look at the the, the, the physical um, assaults that, that Hazard endures every game, and I always think every back to game. that time when we played Fenerbahce and there was an enterprising cameraman um, who, who put some pictures. Uh, I think they were they were all over the press the next day and. Uh, Hazard's lacerated socks with his blood oozing through where he'd had the shit kicked out of him um, in, in, in the game against the Turks. And, uh, you know, if you think, you know, he's been with us now, you know, this is his sixth season, is it? That he's... Um, yeah, fifth season. Um, I think it's his sixth, isn't it? Is it? Well, yeah. whatever. It's Yeah, he joined in 2012, yeah, but, didn't he? You know, he's, he's, only, he's only 26... Um, um, you know, if I were Chelsea, I mean, I know Barcelona. I don't know. I can't remember how Messi is now, and they've stuck some ridiculous um, get uh, clause on on his contract. I think it's like three hundred million um, euros uh, for Messi, who's who's in his thirties. Is he thirty now, Messi? Yeah, he's um, thirty, isn't he? I mean, I, I just think you know. Every time Belgium have a have a slew of international matches, the same thing happens. Thibaut, Thibaut Courtois talks about going to Real Madrid and um, Hazard is asked about going to Real Madrid. Um, there's probably a distinct difference between the two. And, you know, I get all that stuff about Hazard. He loves Zidane, but I think Zidane probably loses his job the way Madrid <laughs> probably sees um, so, so that could be interesting, but I, I just think, you know, you look, you look at his stats. I mean, it's, it's like it's phenomenally eighty goals. I think he's scored for Chelsea now. Um, just a phenomenal player, phenomenal talent. And I, you know, if anybody wants to disagree, um, I would just point them in the direction of a YouTube video of that goal he scored against Arsenal last season. Um, 
fantastic player. So yeah, for me, uh, yeah, definitely the best player I've seen. Good for you. I've got. I've got to be honest, mate. You know, when I put this in here, I thought I would get laughed out of out of the fan cast by you three. Uh, I know we haven't asked Joe yet because I really, I really thought I would be alone here. So because I, I, I'm with you two and Kelvin. Um, I, I think he's the most skillful player with the most ability I have ever seen in my lifetime play at Stamford Bridge. And I know it's tough because Zola was just superb. But I think it's really interesting what you mentioned about Zola in comparison to Hazard being kicked out of the game. I mean, Joe will remember this as well. I mean, you know, Zola quite often didn't even get selected to play against that thuggish Arsenal midfield because they would just bully him off the ball and bully him out of the game, if you remember. I mean, Joe, where, where do you stand on Hazard? Is he the is he a goat, mate, in the youth parlance? He's a goat. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have to say so. Uh, I think just, just the, the things that he, he can do with a football are not things I've seen really probably anyone um, at Chelsea be able to do. The ability... Not only that, it's it's a level of opponent that he does it against. Often, you know, you've got the the Arsenal goal. I've seen him, you know, really take take the game to Manchester City, Manchester United. It's it's not just these kind of token performances against sort of also ran sides. He really does step up against top level opposition. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, for everything from his from his balance, his ability to play with with both feet, the importance of the goals. And I think again, you know, what what we're seeing this season, particularly with this kind of move centrally that he's seeing, is that he's now become the complete focal point of the team you know I mean in some games we're playing we've basically got two attackers we've got him and uh, and Morata and and teams still can't handle him at all um, I think the after the Atletico Madrid away game uh, earlier in the season that performance from, from Hazard was just something completely on another level and I remember seeing some Spanish football writers say you know you've had Real Madrid go there and Barcelona go there peak of their powers and Messi and Ronaldo haven't done the kind of things that Hazard was doing to, to that team. Okay, you know, you might say that Madrid or Atletico are a little bit on the wane somewhat this season, but I mean, it's still a very, uh, you know, a ridiculous performance from me. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think he's he's incredibly talented. Um, you know, I think potentially it, it, the one thing that really was, was stopping him from maybe becoming uh, a, a true, true talent was just maybe the goals. Um, you know, he's often dominated games and maybe not had an assist, maybe not scored. But I think this season, particularly as I said, with the formation change, he's uh, just just it's just consistent pressure. Um, you know, again, same same thing as what Marco was saying. You know, we're still seeing him get sort of kick from pillar to post, but he just picks himself off. You know, kind of dusts himself down, gets the ball again, runs at people, and I think the really telling statistic. And I know a lot of people are kind of a bit dubious about dribbles completed and, and that kind of stuff, but he's, only me, he's, Joe. Yeah, no, it's, it, I mean, it's interesting when you compare it with Messi. I think he was something like 10 or 15% higher than Messi this season. Wow. You know, in terms of the amount of times that he's he's actually not getting tackled, he's actually beating people and using the ball. So, you know, there, there's quite a clear gulf, uh, even with him and Messi this season, in terms of just how well he's uh, performing on the ball. It just hopefully he can maintain it. I mean, if he's, if he's here for the next four years, I think potentially, you know, if, if the club are a little bit more sensible in, in the transfer windows and, and maybe look to build a team, Slightly more around him, I think we could we could definitely win a European Cup with him, kind of on the trajectory that he's on at the moment. I think he's he's heading to be, you know, people keep comparing him to Messi and Ronaldo, but I think he's he's definitely a top five player in the world at the moment on on form, um, and hopefully that, that obviously stays the same. Well, there, therein lies the issue, I think, actually, Joe, because I think this this is all to you know all, this is the issue around whether he will stay or whether he'll go, because we know he covets winning the European Cup. That's why he signed for us, because we held it when he signed. Uh, the other thing that concerns me, which you mentioned a minute, you've all meant we've all mentioned he gets kicked to shit every game, and you know Ronaldo left for Real Madrid 
one of the reasons he left because he got fed up with being kicked without being protected by the referees over here. I actually think that those two issues are probably more worrying than than the fact that he loves Zinedine Zidane because, like Marco, I think that Zidane will be long gone by the time you know Hazard may well do that. So, in a sense, you know, what do we have to do to keep him? Um, will we keep him? How long will we keep him for? And will it will he go to Real Madrid? That, that that's a good question itself, I think, Marco, isn't it? Well, I, I can tell you what. <laughs> in 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 the fatalistic crystal ball of Chelseaism, um, you know, Slutsky becomes director of football. Something untoward happens between Conte and Abramovich. Um, Conte leaves. Oh, Slutsky takes the job, and and um, we we lose one or two high-profile players. That's that's a nightmare scenario, but I'm sure we're not alone in having had those thoughts because uh, it's something that Chelsea do very well, isn't it? So um, yeah, it is. That, 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 I mean, that, that that's my, my concern is you know um, clearly uh, you know Hazard's played under what, five managers. Um, you know, he's played under a lot of different managers, a lot of different styles. Um, he, I, I don't know, you know, I think, I think we're just deluding ourselves with this long-term view, romantic view that, you know, when, when Jose came back, he was going to be here for, for, you know, right through the move, um, while the bridge was redeveloped and all of that. And that all went pear-shaped and I think now we, we just have to accept the fact that we've, we've got coaches coming in and they'll be here for two or three years at top whack so you know where, where that leaves Eden Hazard um, you know as a 27 28 year old if there's a change of manager uh, I, I don't know I don't know um, would, he, would he go and play for Zidane the thing is Zidane wouldn't go to PSG would he I think there'd be. I think he said that himself because of his affinities with Marseille. So that probably cuts off that that route if he does leave Madrid. Um, I, I don't know. Who knows with football? I mean, it'd be nice. It would be nice if you know, like Messi, he just committed himself to the club. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, he's got a family, hasn't he? He's obviously life in London can't be that bad because he's been here. So long. Well, apparently, Marco, he's very he's very settled in London. He likes it mm, here. His he is, family yeah. like it here. And more to the point, he likes being the number one player at the club, which he undoubtedly is. I mean, a mate well, of mine, a mate of mine, phoned me up this week uh, before the Newcastle match, laughing his head off because he said that uh, he saw an interview with Hazard on the TV, and they said, "So, who, who's the best player at Chelsea?" And he said, "Me," <laughs> which I thought was brilliant. So I think I think I think there's a lot to be. You are, I mean, mate. I like the clip of him where where somebody um, somebody asked him, you know, about his song and he sang it. <laughs> <laughs> Good man. Good man. All right. Well, look, I'm going to ask the other two very quickly. I mean, will he stay or will he go, Joe? Well, I think if we get through this summer, this is kind of, you know, Gareth Bale is, is permanently injured. Ronaldo sort of looks like he's having a bit of a dip. If he can get through this summer, and to be perfectly honest, if I was the club, I would throw whatever money at him. I would, I would sign mm. every single one of his five hundred brothers. I would do whatever is needed to That's keep got him. Brothers, <clears throat> he seems to have one pop up every week that we've signed. So Killian. if we, Killian. yeah, no, exactly, yeah, I would, I would throw whatever money because the thing is that you know, I mean, 
if we sell him, the, the, the reality of us buying anyone nearly anywhere near as good as him is, is quite remote, I think. And I, I think it sends the wrong message to, to the fans and also from the club if you sell someone who is you know, probably one of a, a handful of players that's going to get in any side in the world. Um, you know, So hopefully I think the club time down to a very long-term contract and I know we're talking about silly salaries and stuff like that but I think you know if you're if you're going to build a team around him pay him whatever he wants and, and sign his entire family to 500 year contracts and yeah just just keep him but ultimately Jonathan if the if the players want to go these days they go don't they and that's of course the worry yeah I think it depends on uh, on how the teams are playing though everybody cites Madrid as being this this great um in a cornucopia of talent, but they don't appear to be playing very well at the moment. Um, I think PSG at the moment is the uh, is the team to play for, and I suppose the fact that he speaks the language might be a connection. But um, um, I, I think it depends also on um, on 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 Chelsea's uh, um, uh, attitudes to who they sign. I think if if it's the success of the team that is important. I think if if we if we look as if we're going to win the uh, the Champions League, he'll be more keen to stay with us. If we look like a side that's going to go out in the in the last 16, um, perhaps he thinks the uh, aspirations of the club aren't great and he'll then be enticed elsewhere. Um, uh, so um, I think it depends on, on, as you said earlier, who the manager is. If the manager um, c- continues to be Conte, um, I think he's more likely to stay because he can see... Um, the the ambition of the club, um, but uh, uh, there are very conflicting rumours about Conte at the moment about whether he's going to be staying or not past the end of this season. Um, I think you see that Emanalo has made a statement saying that he, he that none of the fans have anything to worry about. He will be staying, but there's also the theory that um, uh, he he can be a little bit contentious, Conte. In fact, I was speaking to somebody today who's um, mates with. Uh, um, uh, with Buck and uh, and the the feeling he gets is that uh, particularly in the summer was that um, uh, Conte said uh, I'd like these players um, and uh, they were about to put all the offers for players and he then said actually no I'm leaving now I'm going to leave and uh, <laughs> what <laughs> uh, yeah this is I know it's an it's it's a what but I was told this in all good faith by by uh, by somebody today and that it was um and therefore he. He mucked about with, and they thought, well, we're not going to buy any players because uh, you've just said you're leaving. So they didn't buy. Then he said, oh, I'm not leaving now. And then and then said to the press, <laughs> and then said to the press, I'm, um, I'm, uh, I didn't get, they didn't sign who I wanted. Well, they're not going to sign players that he comes up with if they don't think they're going to have him for the rest of the season. And, um, and that is what they're slightly dealing with because he is a man of changing opinions, apparently, and passion. Obviously, as we know, the passionate side. But um, this was a very good source, as is with my Louise source the other day. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, it's in, it's you know it could once again it could be a load of old bollocks. But these these stories you you, you try and apply them to the past. You think oh, that could make great sense, you know. So um, I tell you um, what, mate, no, I thought yeah. I thought I was contrary. I mean, Conte takes the biscuit if that's what he was up to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah. We will find out soon enough, won't we? Let's talk very much about the present and the future, if you see what I mean, because uh, it was wonderful to see uh, a standing ovation for Andreas Christensen, the Prince of Denmark, uh, another imperious display. Um, Joe, uh, this is very much your bag. We, you, you're, I, I would call you a real expert on, on the youth players and the youth system that we've got, and you, you take a, a real passionate interest in it. 
Um, are comparisons with JT a bit too early? Do you think? Um, I mean, I mean to be to be perfectly honest, I think this is one of the things that I've often said about youth team development. John Terry was not a world class youngster. You know, he was a midfielder until he got pushed back into defence, and really his career took off from there. You know, he he wasn't world class until maybe his early twenties, maybe twenty three, twenty four. Um, I think in in that respect, I think Christensen's a step ahead of him. He was he was a much more, uh, well, I think a much better young youngster. Um, he's had some excellent experience out in Germany. I think that the thing the the comparison is there from a defensive standpoint. I think I think Christensen has a lot of what Terry had at a young age, which is this kind of very mature ability to. To read the game, um, both as a as a, that kind of central back in 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 the back three, but also in a, in a back four, I've seen him play as a as a left sided centre back. So again, you know, you're looking at the the same kind of side that Terry would play. The only thing that he lacks is just Terry had this kind of forceful personality, which you know could drag teams through games. I think that's really kind of uh, the only thing that I see that Christensen maybe lacks at this point is just that kind of personality that that Terry has. But I think from a, from an ability standpoint. Um, Huge similarities, both incredibly calm. Um, I think, you know, Terry was excellent on the ball as a youngster and just, you know, kind of got thrown under the carpet a bit because he was such a physical player. Whereas, you know, Christensen is, is more, maybe more of kind of Cavallio type of centre-half, very intelligent. You know, the thing I like about him is a lot is that he very rarely has to actually make a tackle because his positioning, he can kind of cut in front of players and, and get a foot in and and almost in some cases kind of use the, the centre-forward's kind of body against them, which I really, really like about him. But yeah, I think from an ability standpoint, definitely I'd say he's, he's up there with Terry. Um, you know, whether he kind of reaches the heights that Terry did, I mean, again, before all the... The kind of nonsense stuff that started surrounding Terry's career. This was a guy who was recognised in FIFA Pro World 11s pretty much every single season for about six years in a row. Uh, you know, the unofficial captain of the world's best 11s. So there is some way to go in, in that respect in terms of maybe uh, uh, the, the kind of perception of him on the world level. But I, th- I think he's a fantastic player. Um, first Chelsea Academy player since Terry to start three uh, consecutive Premier League games as well. So that's a very big uh, tip, in, uh, tip of the cap in his favour. But yeah, I think from ability-wise, Chirge, I think I think he's almost there. Um, the only thing I said I would like to see now is that you know when you watch him at the youth team level, if you watch him maybe for for Denmark or whatever, he does have that kind of personality where he is very much in control of the team and he, even the midfielders in front of him. So I would like maybe to see a bit more of that first team level, but I can understand that he's he's still kind of feeling his way into sort of the Chelsea side. But yeah, definitely, yeah, uh, I think the comparisons are fair. Joe, how how important? I mean, this is the other thing that interests me. I mean, how important do you think he will be as like a shining beacon and light for our other talented youth players to kind of, for once and all, you know, put this to bed that actually, you know, what we've got talented youth players, and if you're good enough, you can break in and make a name for yourself. I kind I kind of seeing it as a little bit of a double edged sword, and and I'm trying to sort of explain this in the best way possible. In that, I think what he's shown is that the the level of talent in the Chelsea Academy is there, that they can actually come in and become first-team players. And I think that's a very, very important step, considering particularly someone like Conte, who seems to have a very high kind of benchmark for trusting young players. And I think Christensen has now earned that trust, which is important. The other side of it, and this is potentially where the slightly contentious side comes in, is that the the fact that it took two suspensions to centre-backs, it took us to not buy Virgil van Dijk, it took us to not buy Bonucci. It, you know, it took uh, an injury, or it's, it's taken a very... Uh, strange incident with Louise and, and Conte for him to kind of get this run of games is, is the thing that, that worries me slightly about some of the youth team situations is that, is that it's a very, very contrived and lucky set of circumstances that have allowed him to kind of play so many games early. I don't think had 
we signed, say, Van Dijk or signed Benucci or so one of these players that Conte was after and had there not been suspensions or whatever, that we maybe would have seen him as much and seen him to be so good so soon. So the question of the pathway into the first team and the opportunities for me is still very much up in the air. I think, you know, Christensen potentially, even last season, was this good. I think he's been this good for a while. Um, it's just whether they get this consistent opportunity. And we've seen him now play three Premier League games in a row where, potentially, I, personally, I think he's been one of our best players. Very, very calming influence. And you can actually see his influence on the team at the back. I think he's a, he's, he's a nice, cool head at the back, which sometimes is something that we lose when Louise plays. But it's the, uh, yeah, it's kind of the the way he's got the opportunity that I still think is something that the club needs to work on because Christensen has been as talented for a while. It's just about the fact that it's taken such a contrived set of, set of circumstances for him to get to get these appearances, which is the worrying thing. But no, I mean, I think you're right. To, to go back to the more positive side of things, you've seen him. I think uh, Ethan Ampadu has been a, a very useful player when he's when he's played this season. You know, Dijon Sterling getting his debut this season as well. So I think things are definitely looking up um, for, for some of the academy players. Now it's just a question of me, of, of Conte. And I think the, the club have got a very clear direction with young players in mind. They want to go younger. They want to sort of give 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 youngsters chances. It's now to sort of align themselves with Conte's thinking about maybe uh, producing more um, opportunities for youngsters rather than having to sort of have a, as I said, a sort of a contrived set of circumstances that have led to opportunities. That would be what I would, uh, I would say, yeah. Mm, okay. Well, look, moving on to uh, uh, more older players, actually. Many many people were surprised when we bought Dr- Danny Drinkwater, uh, you know, from Leicester in the summer. And, uh, of course, it was, I think it was the second time he, he was reunited with uh, Kante. In midfield. And I've got to say, Very Marco... Good. Very good. Yeah. Be united and we know it's good. Uh, yes. Anyway, uh, Marco. Yes, enough of me singing. We had enough of that on Saturday, didn't we, JK? <laughs> Spontaneous, <laughs> drunk, Guinness and fuel singing. Marco, 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 Marco. I've decided to re- uh, rename Danny Drinkwater, Danny Drinkwater Tank. He is a tank, <laughs> mate. I loved him. I just, I thought he was brilliant on Saturday, whizzing around, getting in people's faces. The odd bit of skill. That chip he did, the little Rabona chip into the box for Hazard, mate. Skills. I'm liking the look of him. I think I think he could do a job for us, mate. I really do. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I tweeted the same at half-time. That, um, it's just nice to have somebody with a proper man-sized pair of bollocks playing in midfield. Yeah. You know, yes. when, when it gets cold in winter... Um, you know, Drinkwater strikes me as the type of player who won't be wearing gloves. Um, we'll, we'll see on that, one, won't we? <laughs> <laughs> we will. <laughs> yeah. But you know, he, he has got skill, um, and I, and I think um, it was just interesting the way he just slotted seamlessly into into that midfield with with Kante. Um, you know, obviously, yeah, they played together at Leicester, but that. that that was that was a while ago, um, and I think they only had they only had the one season didn't they, at Leicester, so it yeah, wasn't like yeah. they they forged this phenomenal telepathic relationship. Um, but I, I just think he's a workhorse. He, he's a great squad player for Chelsea to have signed. I think it's really astute. It gives Conte the opportunity to do a bit of rotation. I don't think Bakayoko's quite the finished article, whether he ends up being another Batshuayi-type expensive, um, you know, ornament on on the Chelsea bench, I'm not entirely sure. Um, We'll see, you know, uh, 
just the more, the more that game went on, the more I was thinking, do you know what? I think I'd, I'd, I'd far rather have Kante and Drinkwater um, patrolling that midfield than uh, Bakayoko involved in there. Um, but but we'll see. You know, there's a lot of fixtures. It'd be interesting to see what happens tomorrow evening against Atletico Madrid because obviously we want to win that game. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's is it, yeah, good player. Though, he's a more definitely. he's a more mature player, drink water than Bakayoko. Well, I think Bakayoko is one for the future, really, isn't he? He is, yeah. But he, you know, as I say, he's, he's just a solid yeah, Premier tank, League mate. player who. Who knows what to do? Um, covers the ground. Um, yeah, you know, he's, he's, and he might. Well, I was going to say he's never going to do anything spectacular, but he nearly did, didn't he? He did. So, I don't know. yeah, no, good no, good, 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 good signing. Good. All Paris. right, uh, Jake. JK, time time for uh, uh, your favourite player. I mean, I, do you know what JK? I love the fact that, and, and I, I, it's, it's unlike me to make a bold claim. But I really do believe that you and I were the first people to say, you know what, Morata's got a bit of Osgood about him, you know. And I, I, you, you are far more qualified to say that than me because, of course, you actually saw Aussie play a, a many times for Chelsea. But, I mean, nine goals in 13 games, five of them with his head. thing I'd say about uh, Morata, JK, he's been brilliant without being 100% convincing. And that by itself is no mean feat, is it, JK? Indeed, I, I get worried about his falling over a bit. I know he does get mm. fouled. He does get fouled a lot. But I, do, I just think it, it, it's almost like you, you, he falls over the, the whether he gets fouled early on and then just looks appealingly at the referee. But the second he's done that, um, you just think, well, you've set a precedent now, and I don't think the ref's going to uh, think that you're um, you're actually being fouled, even though I think he is. I think like Hazard, he's 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 such a skillful, sil- silky player. Um, and the Osgood comparison is that it's uh, it's the runs that he makes as well, just on the yeah. on the back, the uh, the centre half are very Osgood like. He sort of his little feints and ducking in, and then uh, it's the skill side. It's the skill skill of a striker. You compare him with Lukaku, who's much more of a of an ox. And I'm afraid to say um, comparing him with uh, even with Costa, who I have great admiration for Costa and still do. But the, there is a. a he doesn't. Costa doesn't have the skill level. He has the aggre- more aggression than Morata, um, and ability to to really put the wind up players. But um, there's if a. Costa, there's if a lovely... Costa ran through a china shop, mate, he'd break every object in there. If Morata went through there, he'd glide he, past everything. He'd be avoiding it. Morata would be tiptoeing past and avoiding everything, and then probably falling over. But um, <laughs> falling, falling over when he came across a came across a soupterine, a rather, a rather big soupterine, and claiming a battle. Um, but, uh, but no, no, I, 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 there's a the, the thing about Osgood was that he he could get stuck in which is something that uh, we don't see with Morata particularly he could be he could be vicious but he had he had he was wonderfully skillful and you know his headers were were as pinpoint as um uh, as Morata's you know there's no i always got the impression with Costa that that he was sort of there's the ball i'll, I'll fling myself at it oh look it's gone in um which is perhaps a bit unfair but in the same way in the way that Morata you think he's you know that goal he scored the other day that um the brilliant header against uh United. Um, okay, yeah, uh, it, that kind of, there's the corner of the net, I'm up there, I'm heading it in there, and it's absolutely pinpoint, it's spot on. That was really Aussie-like. You just thought, yeah, that's the kind of thing Osgood would get up to. 
And it's the it's also the slimness. He's got a slim quality about once again, once again, cost a big, big unit, as with Lukaku, that the slim quality of uh, Maratta, the skillful, the beautiful flick that he, he, he for Hazard the other day for the goal. Very Osgood like as well. Just little flicks and nudges. And uh, um, it, there is there is a great deal similar. I think part of it's just because he's so skillful. Um, mm. And it's lovely to have such a, a skillful front man. Uh, it's, um, and when he's when it works with Hazard, it is joyous for me. Absolutely yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Here's the thing, mate. You know, up until now, um, with Juventus and Real Madrid, he's never had a, a consistent run of games. I think the most games that he's usually played for them in a season is about something like 16. Uh, and yeah. he's very nearly up to that with us already. And we're only a third of the way through the season. And I'm I'm in two minds here, and I'm not quite sure what the answer is. But I mean, one one side of me says, well, that's interesting because that means you know, having that run, he might you know he can only get better. And I mean, he's done pretty well so far. But on the other hand, I'm thinking, well, if he's not used to playing like thirty games, thirty five games in a season, is he going to be able to last the pace? I'm not really really sure what the answer to that is. Well, I think well, Conte will be the judge of that, won't he? But I, I don't see why not. He's very fit. He, he seems to be enjoying himself. He, he, he loves scoring. He likes the fact that the crowd love him. Um, I, I don't see why he would, he would burn himself out. Um, mm. So I don't think there'll be a problem with that. I think it's exactly what he wants: is to play a whole season, and he wants the adulation of everybody. You love it the way that he goes to the, yeah. the touchline, doing his, his archers um, uh, impression. I, you know, I keep wanting to. Uh, to um, shout out. You should get your friend to come and sit with you again. The one who played Nigel Pargeter. Lovely chap. Joe, Joe, what what do you think, mate? Do you think, do you think he'll get better with more games or will will he be able to last the pace? I I think we'll start to see the best of him next season. I think what what everyone said is, is pretty much true. You don't all of a sudden go from, uh, you know, playing, not really a bit part role, but I mean, you know, he hasn't played the, the volume of football that you maybe anticipate someone of his ability over the past couple of seasons. And, you know, I do, I do watch some games and, and, and I think he's, you know, it's fair to say that he hasn't performed particularly well in some matches. And I think that kind of inconsistency is, is something that we'll see kind of disappear as we sort of go through the season as he's playing more. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm quite confident that he'll, he'll last the pace and, you know, we've kind of sort of backed you, i.e. sort of in and out form and, and uh, you know, as kind of the second string striker, I think we're actually going to have to really hope that he does last the whole season. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, I think I think it's been a really sort of interesting start for him. Uh, yeah, I pretty much agree with what everyone else has said there. You know, he's incredibly skillful. I think, again, my only criticism similar to, uh, to JK is that I just want him to be a bit stronger, um, a bit nastier. I don't, you know, he doesn't have to go to sort of Costa's level of of starting World War Three every single Stay match. Stay on your feet. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just a little bit of that that edge that Costa had, you know, a little bit of nastiness in him. Mm, I think, yeah. you know, we, we've seen it a couple of times this season when he's been he's been kicked early that he's kind of sort of switched like a a little switch is lit in him and he's kind of sort of mm. played a, a really fantastic game. But just a bit more of that, you know, he doesn't have to said doesn't have to be kind of Diego Costa two point oh, but. Maybe well, just channel it, channel it like like Hazard did against West Brom. Exactly, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I think yeah, channel, channel it like Hazard. Um, but I think once he becomes uh, consistent and is uh, adapted to playing pretty much every week, I, I do think we're going to see a really, really good player. And, and that seventy million fee, 
which uh, hopefully is, is what we obviously we end up paying, given all the uh, the success that he should bring here. Um, we'll look a bargain, I think, in the context mm. of some of the signings that were made over the summer. So, yeah, hopefully he can spearhead us Good stuff. for the foreseeable Good stuff. future. Right, Marco. Do, 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 do. Victor Moses. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Victor, we got to mention Vic, not least because it'll yeah, piss CFC hot, away off, who hates him, and Tritz. But uh, he's getting back to form, mate. He, he took a bit of a time to warm up, but he's a he's a vital component for the team in my book, mate. I, I really do. I love him, I've got to say, and I know you yeah, do. Uh, I thought I, I, I was chuckling a bit because uh, where, where, where I sit over in Gate 17, um, Tricia sits in the front of the East Stand. That's right, that's right. Um, yeah, and and she absolutely coated Moses off uh, the other <laughs> the other day when he played. I can't remember the word she used, but it wasn't it wasn't pretty or polite. And to be honest with you, he did look all over the place um, mm. when, when he came on um, midweek. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought, you know what? And it, not not just Moses. I, I was just. I was just chuckling to myself about that that Chelsea team that we've got now, you know, uh, sort of listening to Joe, who's, who's um, far more technically aware of uh, the precise <laughs> way football's played than I ever will be. But um, I, I always enjoy reading his, his um, technical, the, the, the way he explains the technical aspects of the game. And, I, you know, I was just purring watching Christensen play yeah. Um, you know, all those completed passes, um, he's 21 years old. Alvaro Morata, 24 years old. You know, Rudiger, 24 years old. This this is not an old Chelsea team. You know, Hazard, 26. Um, if, if it, it only, it just things can go wrong so quickly at Chelsea, which is infuriating. Um, but you know, I, I don't think we've been so blessed with uh, some some talent uh, on on the youthful side um, for, for for so long, for a long, long time. You know, I, you know Moses is part of that. I mean, he's still quite young, isn't he? So um, there's there's a there's a lot to like about Chelsea at the moment, and I just hope um, that. You know the the goings on in the boardroom um, don't upset the apple cart as as I, I sort of resign myself to them doing. But you know, it'd be infuriating. You know that team could seriously do some damage in the, yep. in the next two to three years. Mm, let's hope so. I'm looking forward to that. I, it, that's a lovely positive note to uh, end this part on. I mean, what, what I will say, as I, I was going to, uh, we, we waffled on a bit as we we tend us us four together tend to do. It has to be said. But I was going to talk a little bit about Rafa revisionism. But to be fair, I, I did that to death far more humorously because I was so shit faced when we did the live podcast on Saturday. I don't think there's a lot of point revisiting it, other than to say. I was disappointed that it was not as toxic at Stamford Bridge as it could have been. I think, in a sense, we've all really kind of moved on from it. But I want to say yet again, there is no room for revisionism about Rafa. Go back and listen to the one I, the live show I did on Saturday with the boys, and you'll know exactly what I thought. What the only two things I forgot to add about that was 
do not forget how deluded that man is and what an opportunist he was that he came to Chelsea because it would look good on his CV and he would get a good job somewhere else. That's the only reason he was there. He didn't want to stay. You know, he didn't want to stay at Chelsea, trust me. And that's all I have to say about that. Anyway, we, after the break... Should, should we uh, just we gonna, boo him? Should we just boo him? Go on, just one, okay, okay, one more boo just for old time's sake. Boo! There we go. Everybody's happy now. Yes. Everybody's happy nowadays. Right, after the break, we're going to look at today's news, confirming what we already knew, that Mark Clattenburg's name really is Twattenberg, after his confession that he didn't do his job and send three Spurs players off when they tried to kick the shit out of us a couple of years ago when we drew two all, uh, because he feared what the media might say about him handing the title to Spurs. Bless him. Absolutely disgraceful. But um, what will the ramifications be? We'll talk about that. Uh, and also uh, the rumour that Roman Abramovich is about to offer Leonard Slutsky a job. But don't worry, Antonio Conte is safe for now. Yes, Leonard Skotsky, he got an ice pick that made his ears burn. Anyway, enough of that. No more heroes anymore. Ooh, very we'll good. Back Stranglers. Very good, Chidge. Stranglers. Excellent. Chidge. JK, in all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match... And they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month. And you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy. And you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And uh, I've got the lovely uh, Jonathan Kidd who is refreshed after his comfort break at halftime. Oh, thank you. I feel all alive and effervescent and bubbly. Oh, thank you. 
more information than we needed. We've got the uh, the wonderful Mark Worrell, nicest bloke at Chelsea. <laughs> Buonasera. There we go. And uh, my great, great next door neighbour almost at Stamford Bridge and Gate 17. In fact, actually, you know, there, there are three Gate, res- Gate 17 residents in the house tonight. But uh, Joe Tweeds, who uh, sadly disappeared to, as he was telling us in the, in the lemon break, that uh, he's having a very lovely time in Copenhagen, not just because the girls are all lovely. Isn't that right, Joe? Yes, yeah, I should also stress that I do like my job and it's lovely living out here. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Quite right, too. Quite right, too. Right, uh, in this little bit, um, one, one of the things I did forget to tell everybody about is actually the first one we're going to talk about is um, is is what I often, you know, kind of prefer or, or, or look forward to even more than the match, actually, which is a kind of a sacrilegious thing to say, I know, but I do like a bit of a pre, pre and a post-match. But the post-match uh, on Saturday was just... Uh, par excellence um, I mean first of all uh, we, we had the uh, or Marco and Walter held their book launch for uh, Carefree Chelsea Chance and Terrace Culture their new book um, at the Atlas pub and I turned up there you know not long after the match had ended and uh, it was rocking Marco it was rocking could hardly get in the pub it was good fun yeah it was uh well, as broad a cross-section of um, Chelsea humanity as you could ever have imagined, to be honest with you. I mean, there must have been about 100 Scandinavians there. There was a good, good contingent from across the pond as well, wasn't there, as well as people from all over London and the rest of the country. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was good fun. It's great for me because I never normally get to have a beer. Yeah, um, true enough. Yeah. So, yeah, it was uh, fantastic. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry I couldn't make it. I, I would, I was, it was in my uh, list of things to do up because I was going to go, would come to see you before I went to the um, uh, the Chelsea's Blue podcast. But um, a friend of mine died suddenly the other day and, and he had a memorial service. So I had to leap off to Shepherd's Bush and then come back again. So, Apologies, I couldn't be there. It was on. <laughs> I think I think you're right, though, Marco. I, I, you know, and I said this to the the London is Blue boys uh, on the live show. I said that you couldn't really have come on a better day because obviously this kind of thing doesn't happen every weekend. But you know, when it does, the the Mar- Marco's book launches in particular actually are, are, are the essence of what what following Chelsea I think is is all about and. You get all the faces there, don't you? Everybody turns up, and uh, I mean, you know, I wandered around and I, with a you know usual pint and a half on me. Uh, I didn't know where to look because there were so many people to talk to. It was just great fun, and and new people as well. Um, but you you shifted a lot of books, I hope, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did well, so yeah, very happy, very happy for Walter. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, no, it's good. What good, happened good, upstairs good. then? Because you did you go up and see the Norwegians afterwards? So, then we weren't went upstairs, and upstairs uh, holding court in one of the rooms was one Kerry Dixon. One so, Kerry Dixon, yeah. yeah. So he he was there, and, and also um, was Alan Hudson was there quaffing a few no. vodka. Uh, was he? Oranges, yeah. He was. He came up there. Um, Bloody hell! Yeah, I think they were doing a kind of a Q and A. Um, at some point in the evening, they haven't started that yet. So I don't know how that turned out. I suppose with all the, I suppose they got away with saying whatever they liked, to be honest. Because I mean, the Scandinavians do like a drink, and that they were all hammered by the time by, <laughs> by the time we went upstairs. So. It's true. It's definitely true. Yeah, no, it's good. Brilliant good, stuff. Good, good fun. 
Good stuff. Well, listen, yeah. for those of you who weren't lucky enough to be there, and I got I got a um, I haven't got it with me annoyingly, but uh, I got a signed copy, of course. Uh, and I, I, Mark Owen Waltz must, must, I don't know, maybe they think it's a bit strange that I like to get them signed, but I don't. I treasure those. And uh, what did you write, Marco? Something in, in Italian. I forget what it was God, now. God knows, mate. <laughs> I have I no can't idea. Remember. No, but Walter wrote, wrote, which really tickled me and thought it was very funny, in, it being that this is a, uh, a book about Chelsea chants. He put, Chidge, your support is fucking great, which I thought was very funny. Bless his heart. Uh, now, uh, for those of you who were not lucky enough to get the book on the day, um, it is, it's available from Amazon, isn't it, Marco? And, of course, the yeah, CFC yeah. UK store, yeah? Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a worldwide thing with Amazon. So um, it's printed in the States of people who live over there. So there's no nasty shipping charges. I think it's like $14 or whatever it is over there. Or um, it's printed in the UK and it's printed in Europe. And if you can make it to the games, it's just ten pounds on the store. Lovely. I got mine for for a tenner. There you go. I do recommend you get it. Not that I've read it yet, but I, I haven't even done my usual CFC UK trick yet, Marco, which is to spin through and find out what the bit about me where that is. But uh, I shall restrain <laughs> myself from doing that. Um, the other thing we should talk about, Jonathan, really, is of course you know after all of that, we we then went off to the. Uh, the Chelsea pensioner and uh, did this live uh, podcast with the London is blue boys, Nick, Dan and uh, Brandon, come on you blues. Um, and there was a real, there was a good old gathering in the, in the karaoke room of the, uh, of the Chelsea pensioner. I thought it was very appropriate. We were in the karaoke room, Jonathan. Yeah, because we did sing a bit, didn't we, Chidge? Any we opportunity, did. any opportunity. I did a rousing a... rendition of the Tommy Baldwin song. I seem to recall. And you remembered all the words, which was even more impressive. Mm. Since, uh, I didn't do so well on the uh, if you go down to the shed today, you're in for a big surprise. No, I think I you of, had 27 Guinnesses by then. I think I, think I was, had. I, I corpsed. I corpsed towards the end and had to get Gaffer to help me out. I mean, I it was great, it was great fun, great. wasn't it? It was. Well, I just love that whole thing about the the um, the number of Americans who'd made it over. I think you, you mentioned this, Marco, as well. I think it's superb when they they're so committed to the club and. Uh, um, they're so enthusiastic about learning about everything that we just take for granted because we go to all the games. Um, I think that's the most surreal, I'm just thinking about Saturday, the most surreal thing that happened in the Atlas was a, a French te French television crew coming to interview or just ask, uh, it wasn't an interview, I mean, they just saw, didn't know what was going on and said, could they come and film us? And, and, and they were asking us, um, about the Americans coming over and um, what 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 they thought was the attraction um, of it all, uh, which was all quite interesting. Sort of so getting that, that, it doesn't happen in France. Obviously, they don't get any 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 Americans going. Well, no, no, ESG. Yeah. But yeah, uh, it, it, no, it's um, it's really uh, it's quite joyous the whole the whole aspect of having these people come up and say to you. Uh, Oh, it's great to put a, a face to to the voice now. I love that. Great to meet you. You know, in a in a. <laughs> do, do you say which one when they say? <laughs> 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 what, what face or voice? <laughs> Both. No, which voice? <laughs> <laughs> He's got more faces than the pandy clock. <laughs> Clever. Well done, yes, that's a good Welsh joke, bit of a Welsh joke there. Um, I just think to sum that up, though, J.K., I thought you, uh, Alex, and Dan were were brilliant on it, and. Uh, 
I, 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 it was quite fun actually. I, I think Nick and Dan and, and Brandon got into it, but I, I think they were. I mean, it sounds a bit naughty of me to say this, but I got the sense they were they were slightly overwhelmed by it all in a way. I don't think they'd ever seen anything quite like that, had they? I think it's the um, it's the, the, the irreverence of uh, Alex, the uh, and also how informed she is because she just knows so much and uh, and expresses it so well, uh, and and the fact that we were just all. I think it's mucking about a lot because they're, ve- they're they're very serious guys about it, which is fair enough, you know. But um, I know. and I think it, they don't, it, and they it, don't it, do it was, irony. They don't do irony, Jonathan. No, but they're they're so willing to learn. I love that. They they they, they love the uh, the idea of the uh, marker of your book so much because it's like a mm. it's a window onto something that they just don't get. This is why we were so keen to to give them some of the the chant and the songs that we knew. Just because it, it, you can see the puzzlement on their faces. When was that? You know, who sang that? What was that about? And they really want to know that. They want to because they want to be so part of the culture, which is which is uh, which is exciting to watch. Actually, the um, not the bemusement on their faces, but the kind of delight at discovering something <laughs> else new was just lovely. It was uh, not not bad for a team with no history. <laughs> yeah, not bad at all. Yeah. I, I, I concur absolutely with what you say, J.K., and I, they were so lovely about us. I thought I have to say I'm particularly proud of you, Alex and Dan, for grabbing the mic physically at every available opportunity. I have taught you, I have taught you all so well. It was brilliant. Um, but, no, it was, it was great fun. And I tell you what, mate, I mean, they were lovely during the thing. They were lovely. I stayed for a few drinks, surprisingly enough, afterwards until I, I could hardly speak, walk, or, or do anything, talk even. And then I, I got a my cab. Uh, my taxi back but uh it was just great great fun but i tell you what mate it's made me think i you know i love doing that so much we've got to do that again with or without them i think we should just do one occasionally that i tell you what the idea i've had actually chaps maybe we 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 organize a proper one and do it for the 10th anniversary 10 year anniversary which is the end of april i reckon we should we should book a big room and get a few people in and do a proper live one because i i tell you i I had so much fun jk i really enjoyed it yeah, yeah, and it was um, beautifully relaxed as well. There was no tension behind it at all. It was lovely. Mm. So, uh, Marco, sorry, man. No, no, I was just going to say, I mean, you know, we, we were like laughing on because it started pouring down the rain at about 7 o'clock, didn't it, on yeah. Saturday. So the the fact that it was an early kickoff, it all kind of worked out quite well. You know, I think if you were looking at doing something like that, if, uh, I'm sure there's bound to be some game that gets shifted to um, an early kickoff. You could do it after the game, couldn't you? I could indeed. And actually, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carry on talking whilst uh, also looking at what the nearest date to our 10th anniversary is, because I can multitask, you see. I'm quite clever, really, for somebody. Are you sure, Jake? Are you sure? Yes. Don't oh, do, oh, do you know what? It's a Saturday and we've, it's Swansea City away. Typical. So never mind. That's yeah. got that plan. What, well, never mind. Any. Would that be the what? 10th anniversary show? Yeah. It's, uh, we, we started doing it on the 28th of April uh, in 2007. I do believe. Or was it 2008? Maybe I've got it all wrong. <laughs> I have to go and... It was actually 2000... And, oh, yeah, well, that would be 2008, wouldn't it? Because it'd be April the 28th, 2018. So I'm not... Yeah, that'd be the 10th anniversary. Anyway, we should move on because uh, we've got loads to do and little time to do it all. Um, we, we've really got to... Uh, Talk about uh, Twattenberg. Um, you know, Twattenberg comes clean. Confirm your worst fears. 
I'm just going to give you boys a little bit of a summary of what's gone on today for those for those that are, are unaware. But uh, he, apparently he did a he did a, he chose the Man, Men in Blazers podcast, uh, which I know a lot of our American friends like. I have, I have to say I, I find it awful in the extreme, but. Um, he was on that for some reason. God knows why. He'd probably turn up to the opening of an envelope, wouldn't he? Uh, and and this is what he was quoted as saying. He, he he's, apparently he went into the Spurs or the Chelsea Spurs uh, match. You know when when uh, we denied them the title basically by drawing with them and Leicester went on to win it. Uh, he said apparently he went in with a game plan, plan so he could not be blamed by Tottenham for losing the title. He booked nine Spurs players in the bad-tempered match, but now says he could have sent off three of them. And to quote, he said, "We, we should get John. Can you read this, Jonathan, in a, in a Faye Geordie accent?" Hang on. <laughs> but where are we here? <laughs> Hang on a moment. If I sent. Uh, well, it's 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 uh, it's. Uh... I haven't, uh, I haven't got it in front of me here. Okay, well, where I'll do it. it. I, don't worry, don't where, worry, Pet. I can, I can do, I can do a Newcastle accent, Pet. Don't worry. Well, where, no, where is it? though? it's not Welsh. Well, well you I don't know where it is, and I do. So, if, if it's coming Welsh at the moment, you're absolutely right. It is. Yes. If I said, if I, if I sent three players off from Tottenham, what are the headlines? Clattenburg cost Tottenham the title. It was pure the theatre Tottenham. that Tottenham the self-destructed against Chelsea and Leicester won the title. I mean, what a load of knob cheese, basically. I mean, the thing is, chaps, uh, you know, what I want to know is what the ramifications of this are. I mean, just off the top of my head, if Spurs went down to eight men, I mean, we would have won that game. But not only that, I mean, we got fined something like 370 grand for failing to control our players because the Spurs players kicked the shit out of us so much we felt so incensed to have two 20-man brawls. So we got a massive fine. We wouldn't have had that. And that's before you even get into the fact that referees being influenced by the media, media deliberately affecting games, not, not judging it on what they see in the laws. I mean, boys, the game is up if happens. If we had two points more, would we have finished higher up the league? Yes. In yeah. which case, would we therefore have got more money from the Premier yeah. League? Because you get more yeah. money. So how many millions did that decision cost? Yeah, on his, about about a million, part? I believe. Yeah. God, absolutely absurd. It, it, it really is. It is beyond... I mean, you know, number... I mean, look, Jonathan, you're our resident referee expert. I mean, what, what, do, you, what do you think of this, you know, from, from what I've just said? Well, I think it, it, it actually it, it makes you worry about whether other referees have this uh, this pre- mm. preconceived this prejudicial approach towards games, thinking, well, uh, this should be that score. Um, I don't want to uh, um, I don't want to come across looking bad. Therefore, I'll, I'll run the game accordingly. I mean, it's um, it's corrupt, isn't it? Really, it's uh, uh, it's I, I'm. I'm is he ever going to be refereeing in this country again? Is what's he doing? He's in. Is he refereeing in uh, in China at the moment? What, is he? No, is he's he the he, he's the head of the referees he, thing in Saudi Arabia. In Saudi Arabia, oh, that's why right. he's gone to there to do that. So he is refereeing there. But I think you could effectively FIFA could take sanctions out against him. This is uh, mm. this is an uh, well. I, I suppose he could plead that he was just trying to be. Um, uh, uncontentious and not to uh, create a riot, he might just say, if it was um, if he decided to send all the players up. But surely, if if uh, if if players are, are guilty of, um, as we saw at the time when we watched the game, we thought there were so many fouls that could have been red cards. If he was uh, um, if he was avoiding that for um, it, because he he didn't want to come across as uh, as being the centre of a media storm, he's being ridiculous. 
he, he has to he has to, to he has to to react according to what he sees. If it's a foul and a sending and a red card, he gives a red card. He doesn't think, Point oh, one. hang on a second. I've got to think about this a moment. How's he going to look in the press? How am I going to look? No, absolutely absurd. But as yeah. I say, you, what, 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 does, what does that mean? Does that mean that other players, other referees are doing this all the time? I mean, it, well, it makes it, you it, think, doesn't whole, it? I mean, you know, Greg, I, I always suspected Graham Pohl. I always suspected Graham Pohl of being like that. So I, I, I think you're right, mate. I think we're right to have these suspicions. I think the other thing that, that concerns me, I mean, I think Jonathan's point is far more serious, to be fair, Joe, but what also... You know what it also confirms to me is is how attention seeking, egotistical, and scared of the media they are. But I mean, you know, are they bent? I think that's the question. I I, I hesitate to say that they're actually bent, but I, this is not good, is it, Joe? No, I mean, I think there's there's kind of two examples that really come to mind. I mean, one is you know you see a, a particularly referee jumped on for not giving something. So you know you always have a, a phase during the season where a shirt pull in the penalty area from a corner all of a sudden some referee will realise, oh, hang on a minute, let's give a penalty. Then the next two, three weeks, you see this kind of massive, uh, you know, kind of rise of, of all referees now starting to award penalties for someone having a shirt pull because someone in the media is like, yes, this is the way to go. Then it always disappears. So, you know, you have this kind of quite really sort of uh, kind of media-driven, almost sort of narrative that, that takes control of, of referees uh, and how they referee games. I mean, even this weekend, I was watching sort of the Southampton-Bournemouth game and I think it might be one of the uh, Bournemouth players was was legitimately fouled uh, going into the area for a penalty. And because of all this sort of diving and diving committee stuff, the referee was so quick, didn't even consult with his linesman, was so quick to go over and, and award him a yellow card. Um and it, it seems to be sort of every single season there is something that the referees kind of, you know, we have to focus on this particular thing because the, the media is making a big deal out of it. But the worrying thing for me, Chidgen, and, and when I, I was reading the Clattenburg thing, my first my first thoughts were to think back to uh, Tom Henning Overbeck, the guy who refereed yeah. the, uh, the Barcelona game. You know, it's uh, if he's going into that game and, you know, there was a lot in the media about that, that UEFA didn't really want an all-English final and, you know, they, they were kind of a bit afraid of English dominance in Europe. And, all of a sudden you go into a game where, you know, we were quite comfortable in the game. Essien scores one of the best goals I've ever seen. You know, if we score one of the five penalties that we had awarded, that 2-0, mm. I don't think that they come back into that game. And yet we've got a referee that has entirely dictated the outcome of that match. I think purely because of, because some of the comments that were floating around from UEFA, you know, he's a UEFA employed referee. He must be thinking, you know, in the back of his head, do I need to try and keep this even? Do I need to favour Barcelona? Because, you know, that's kind of the... The, the way that, that UEFA want to see this final, they don't want to see an all-English final. When you know these referees, they're only human. You know, they're the kind of the biases and sort of prejudice, particularly in the media, will filter through either consciously or subconsciously. I think in some cases, people like Klassenberg, it's probably a very conscious thing. You know, I think there are there are some referees who have this sort of god complex and this kind of egotistical way about that they have to control and the, the sort of ebb and flow of a game. You know, personally, I mean, if this this if this kind of game plan thing is what referees have going into games. I'd love them to have a game plan which says, you know, the first player to kick Eden Hazard 15 feet up in the air gets booked because that would pretty much stop that for the entire game and Hazard would pretty, you know, go on and destroy pretty much every team we play against if that's something that could be factored in. But I don't know, it just seems a very, I don't want to use the word, it's almost a, a kind of very clandestine, sort of very kind of murky area that we're kind of judging. By, I think agreeing you calling them outright bent, but I don't know. I think we've we've definitely seen some some examples where either through negligence of just basically doing a basic refereeing job, the Tottenham game being a prime example, how how some of those fouls weren't sending off is is, is ridiculous. But 
you know, it, it's it's a shame that we're kind of leering towards that 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 kind of uh, conclusion that you know that some referees are massively influenced by the media, and and you can see it in the way that the uh, the games transpire. But but for them to have that kind of influence on the outcome of uh, a result, I think, and particularly going into the game and admitting that before the game this was the game plan is is absolutely insane to me. I think it's well, it, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, know. it's just that's nuts. I think I think your point there is 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 actually absolutely bang on the money, Joe. And I'll ask Marco this as well. But I think that I think that you're, you're right. I think that I think consciously or unconsciously, many of these referees are influenced by what they're hearing and, and, and what the media reaction may be. And actually, Clattenburg's come out and said it it categorically influenced him before the yeah. game. And the fact is, is that there's no reason why that should be the case. I mean, Marco, you and I have been around the block a while. You know, judges, high court judges, have to be totally impartial and judge things on the evidence that they see before them. So why the bloody hell should a referee be any different? Yeah, I think that I think the interesting thing is, you know, um, like as with a lot of things in life, you look at some of those referees um, and. You know they, they they love themselves, don't they? Um, I think I can't remember who made the comment earlier. You know, Michael Oliver, good old Reg Hollis, he's in charge of the Manchester derby on uh, is it on Saturday or Sunday? On Sunday, um, you know, he he's another ref who, you know, he kind of just likes it, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, uh, whereas there are other referees who, whose names we can't name simply because. They they're just referees. Um, you know, they might. Yeah. It's, it's it's true. You know, what why did what why did why did people, um, you know, what why did my uh, why did Clattenburg come to prominence? Why why did Howard Webb come to prominence? It wasn't. You know, yeah, okay, they were good referees, but they were also. You know they were in it for themselves as much as anything else, and um, they've got agents now, Marco, which I find insane. They've got agents well, probably, and PR people, and you're just meant to turn up and decide. Well, you know, <laughs> surprise me. Clattenburg's got his autobiography coming out in you know in the not too distant future. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I, I thought it was quite funny. Uh, he's actually gone up in my estimation. Really. Coming out. Well, yeah, I was just like laughing, going, "He hates Tottenham." You know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got a bit of brass neck. I'll I'll give him that. Yeah. I tell you what, though, mate. I think you're right. I, I think anybody who uses their name in the in the first person, you really or was it the third person? You've got to be very worried about. I mean, you know, he <laughs> refers to himself in this interview. Well, you know, I, I, you know, what would people have said about Mark Clattenburg? I mean, fuck off, mate. Fuck <laughs> off. Anyway, <laughs> enough of that. What? Yeah, I just think it's funny. I, you know, they're no different to, you know, some of some of the managers. Um, I read a really interesting piece about the the Wolves manager. I don't know how they're, they're playing today. I think they're playing Birmingham, aren't they, Wolves tonight? Um, don't know how that's yeah. going. But yeah, but they were they were talking about you know this new Wolves manager. Like he's he's, he's you know he's really the man. He's the man. Um, and they were saying, you know, about his personality, and he's kind of like he stays stays away from it, or which um, I suppose is fine in the championship. Be interesting to see how that, you know, happens in in the Premier League. So, you know, like Marco Silva, the Watford manager, Pochettino to a certain extent. You know, these guys are go quietly go quietly go about their jobs rather than, 
you know, kind of the Mourinho, uh, who's a you know the, the the other extreme, who is you know fully on fully in your face. Um, you know, so is, is Klattenberg the Jose Mourinho of of um, refereeing? Probably um, would football. You know, is the Premier League worse off without Klattenberg in it? I think so, because he was, you know, he was just a, he was, he was a conversation point, wasn't he? And we, you wouldn't have shows like this if, you, if there was nothing well, to talk. I know what you so, mean, but I think on a serious point, he was actually one of the better referees. I actually, I mean, this is was, a subject yeah. for this is a, this is a subject so for another. Hang on a minute. This is a. I I don't think. Well, okay, whatever. I I was going to say this is a subject for another day, but personally, I think that the refereeing, the quality of refereeing in this country, has reached a new low in the last couple of seasons. But I want to shut it off there because we're going to run out of time, and I want to talk about Slutsky, Um, Matt Law, uh, Chelsea's go-to journalist. By which I mean, I think they they tend to feed him stories, is what I'm saying. Uh, but he claims in an article today that Roman uh, will offer him a job, a uh, technical director to replace Emanalo or perhaps something behind the scenes. And I'm not going to do a, a Leonard Slutsky uh, um, voice, but I will give you his direct quote, which set my alarm bells ringing somewhat, apart from the ones I already had, which is, after, ma- after matches, I talk to Mr. Abramovich, and sometimes he asks my opinion on teams or players. We talk as friends. He believes in me and is like my... Sub- I'm not going to do this. It's fucking stupid. He's like my supporter and coach. It was good. Okay, Alexander. Yes, he is the meerkat, isn't he? Yes, yes. He's a good supporter to have. I think the best in the world. Um, the bottom line is, is that, you know, this we could end up really here. Another job for one of Roman's mates, not for the first time rather than hiring somebody on merit and ability. Uh, I mean, how worried about are we about that? I mean, I, I know Marco's uh, probably got very strong views on this. So I'll ask him first, and I'll get you two in on it as well, all right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, I don't know, it's, it's weird. Chelsea's weird, isn't it? It's the biggest soap opera yeah. in football. Um, and, you know, the weirdness attracts us to the club like like moths to flames, um, <laughs> and 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 it's never gonna it's never gonna change. So, you know, we are there. We are rabbits caught in the headlights, all watching and half knowing what's going to happen next. And you know, I think when when Slutsky first appeared at the bridge, sort of in the spring. You know, everybody was saying, oh, I all know what's going to happen here. And then the fact that, you know, Mr. Emanalo's shuffled off to the tax haven of Monaco, um, it, it leaves the door wide open for, for, for Mr. Slutsky to come in and, you know, and, and it only take a fit of peak on the part of Conte. And we've got, you know, the Avram Grant scenario all over again. So <laughs> that's Chelsea, isn't it? It is. Um, I, I don't believe for one minute that there is, you know, any Chelsea supporter out there who who hasn't thought, nah, that's never going to happen. No, it won't happen again. No. You always, you always hope, don't you, that Roman will sort of learn and 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 uh, mature, and will possibly think, hmm, perhaps I ought not to appoint somebody who's uh, um, not really won anything and. Uh, uh, and isn't uh, doesn't have much of a profile, but uh, you 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 can't have much confidence in it. I'm afraid uh, something clearly happens. You just wonder whether he 
really take, despite watching all this football and supposedly working with all these people, whether it actually goes in, whether he just he's he's like a kind of monarch from the 18th century who has all these hangers on and all these people bending his ear about how important uh, important uh, they are and how bad the current um, holder of the of the of the managerial crown is and. Uh, and whether they just get, you know, after a bit, they 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 get their way. You just wonder whether he that's his. He, he just he's he's wound up by them, constantly telling him that uh, no, you need to get someone else. And he pays attention to it. You think he's discerning enough by now, but no. I'll tell, you what, I'll tell you what, John. Sorry, sorry, Mark. I'll tell you what, John. I take issue no, no. with one thing there. I take issue with one thing there, J.K. Roman yeah. has never hired a full-time manager who has not won anything. Every full-time manager he's hired at Chelsea has won stuff. I think, hasn't Slutsky won the Russian title a couple of times? He may I have done. I mean, that, yeah, that's has, the interesting be, yeah. point. That's the interesting point, chaps. I mean, you know, uh, we all used to moan like Stink about Emanalo and his track record and, and stature in the game. Um, I mean, here's the conundrum. I mean, Slutsky actually, he's managed the Russian national side. He's been a manager. He clearly knows his football. Um so it, we could do a lot worse and arguably we might already have done a lot worse. But the, I think my contention is, Joe, you know, couldn't we do a lot better if we're going to have somebody in that role? Yeah, I mean... Somebody world-class, you know. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree, Chidge. And I think that the way that I see Chelsea positioning themselves kind of going forward is that they want to kind of adopt this almost like a Borussia Dortmund kind of powerhouse model where they sign a lot of young players in their kind of early 20s and hopefully some of them go on and become hazards. Maybe some of them go on and become Oscars and we sell them for, for a lot of money. But And then promote sort of players from, from the academy. That, that's kind of the direction I see. And I think Marco's point a lot earlier in the show around the, the kind of age of the squad really kind of backs up that that's kind of the direction that Chelsea want to take. So if that's the direction that we want to head, why don't we just go and grab one of these, uh, mm. you know, these kind of elite directors from one of these German clubs? They seem to have the, the sort of model of, of, of bringing through players and, and targeting kind of the right young players through and then selling them on for, for fortunes or developing them. Um, you know, Slutsky, again, we're looking at a manager to come in and perform a technical director role, which, uh, you know, just uh, to sort of slight overview is A, to kind of oversee the academy and create those kind of pathways for young players, but also to oversee the scouting department. So, you know, most managers really in this day and age are not sitting there watching videos of players and they're not doing the analysis on players. So are we, are we again, just bringing in a, a managerial appointment really just to almost, uh, I mean, I see it as almost kind of warming the, uh, sort of keeping the toilet seat warm if, if Conte uh, mm. was, was something drastic to happen with Conte. Um, that, that's what it feels like to me that he would yeah. be a, a stopgap there. But for, for a technical director role, exactly what we're saying, Chidge, there are so many people given the resources of the club that we, you know, that we have, we should be able to go and pick the best person that fits the model that the club wants to go down. And I don't think we've done that. We've just gone and got someone who Roman knows who's available. I mean, I'm talking like it's a done deal, but I mean, potentially we're going to, to get someone who is, uh, you know, one just one of Roman's friends who's got really no, no real experience of, of, of the role and, and, and the, you know, the direction that the club are trying to head in. It just seems very strange given you have all these extremely competent business people that they're unable to see that, you know, if you want to create this kind of world-class sort of young team, that maybe having someone who's at least got some kind of track record, track record, not as a manager, but actually developing that that sort of style of of club would be useful rather than just signing a manager. But mm. you know, it seems to be the way we, we often do things. 
and and this is the one it has to be said and it pains me to say it but uh you know currently man city are the template for how to do that i mean you know they they've hired the best technical directors you know they they are doing what i think we should do which is to hire yeah. the best people in the world at doing the job i mean i'm not a fan of pep guardiola but there are plenty of people who are more knowledgeable than me that say he's currently the best coach in the world and they went and got him. So, you know, that, that's what they're doing. And I think we should do the same. Anyway, we should rest assured, none of this has happened yet. It's just a Matt Law piece in the Telegraph. But you never know. Stranger things, like Marco said, has happened. Right, as we're waffling on, as I've said many times tonight, uh, I'm going to detour past the usual uh, plugs and shout-outs for stuff uh, because we've got lots and lots and lots and lots of emails uh, to read out in the next part. So make yourself a cup of tea, strap yourself in, and welcome to Jack and Ori in a second. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Right, welcome back. I'm Sanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. It's been a right old humdinger of a show already. Uh, Marco and uh, Joe and Jonathan have all had lots and lots to say about the uh, huge amount of stuff there is to talk about, as there always is. Uh, but now, as ever, it is time for uh, a, a favourite <coughs> spot in the show, where we get to uh, get to read out what you lot have to say and what you lot think. And uh, as ever, we've had loads of emails. We've still got a few from last week. Um, as ever, Jonathan, we'll see how we go. If we don't read them all out, we'll get them in next week. How does that sound? Excellent. Good idea. All right, fella. Off you go. This is email number one from Alan Gavarin. Um, fed up with being told by Uncle Chidge we have to sit on the naughty step for not sending in any emails recently. I was stirred into action. I also have to say that last week's email about watching Chelsea away to Norwich last year was just fantastic. I thought I'd share with you my experience of watching Chelsea versus the Dirty Leeds in the famous mm. 1970 Cup final. I was nine years old and my school decided to, to take us on a coach trip to Belgium and the Netherlands. I was extremely excited until I realised that Chelsea had got to the final. I'd been missing the game. My dad had even got me a ticket. So my experience of the legendary 2-2 draw was sat at the back of a crowded bus full of noisy, misbehaving nine-year-olds listening to the BBC commentary over appalling long-wave reception as the game ended in the first ever drawn Wembley final. Fortunately, we were able to get back to London in time for the replay on the Wednesday night at Old Trafford. Of course, the game was live on TV, and I remember clearly being allowed for the first time to have our dinner in the sitting room in front of the television to watch. We had spaghetti bolognese, a meal that always reminds me of that match. We were sat on my parents' blue velour sofa watching the game. We all shared the fantastic experience as David Webb headed in the winner from Ian Hutchinson's unbelievably long throw. I think he hit him on the stomach, actually, didn't he? <coughs> anyway, in my mind, spaghetti bolognese went everywhere. But if that actually happened, I don't think my mother would have ever let us forget it. Years later, when wife and I were living in our first flat, we'd inherited the by then 30 plus year old blue velour couch. We finally were able to buy a new sofa from Ikea. I called one of those secondhand furniture places to sell it and a bloke came, came round. He took one look at it and he said, nah, mate, not even poor people would want that. 
As a postscript, frustrated that I've never, ever saw the first game. A couple of years ago, I bought a DVD of the match and sat down excitedly to watch it. Everyone knows it was one of the dirtiest games in history. The former referee, David Ellery, said if it had been refereed in today's terms, there would have been six red cards and 20 bookings. That's absolutely true. But I was also totally shocked at how slow and pedestrian the football was compared to what we're used to today. Nothing will ever stop it being a classic of its time, but I was surprised how it doesn't really merit re-watching. Give me Munich 2012 any day. Alan Gavarin at Rootless Cosmo. Aussie signed my broken leg. So, <laughs> email number two, Andy Kopalski. Dear Podfather and the boys, that's you, Church. My name is Andy Kopalski and I live outside Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I've had an unconventional... Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on, Jonathan. After Saturday's show in, Mil- in Milwaukee. Remember that? Yes, blimey. <laughs> we did Gaffer did the Inzaians, you know, song to the Millwall. Sorry, we digress. No, no, guys, you, uh, yeah, I thought you were going to carry on then, Chich. Never mind. Okay. No, no, no. no. Um, yeah, yeah, I live outside, yeah, Wisconsin. I've had an unconventional journey to becoming a Chelsea FC fan. To be honest, the beginning dates back to the 2006 World Cup. At the time, I was your typical American football fan. I tried to watch the dreadful MLS in the past, but couldn't get into it. I was, however, a fan of the World Cup, and this brought me to the game of the, the U.S. national team played versus Ghana. Although I was cheering for Team USA, I was mesmerized by the physicality and class of Michael Essien, a soccer player bossing guys around like an NFL linebacker. He immediately became a player I had to follow. I found out he was a Chelsea player and I immediately began to support the club on a limited basis. At the time, it was hard to follow the PL in the States unless you were a very die-hard fan. At the time, I was living in Phoenix, Arizona and was in college. The idea of waking up anywhere between 4.30 and 7 a.m. on a Saturday or Sunday was less than ideal. This all changed on the day Chelsea and Liverpool played a legendary match at the bridge that ended 4-4. This brought me to the night that cemented my love for this club. It was the darkest night the club has seen as long as I've been following them. The night Michael Essien Stunner in the first half had Chelsea within minutes of the Champions League final versus Manchester United. Then Then Iniesta scored and that wanker referee screwed us out of the trophy. The heartbreak I felt still hurts. I remember Michael Ballack and Didier Drogba screaming at the referee. What a fucking joke. The next three years, the UCL was something I needed to have. I felt like there was a hole in my life that I couldn't fill. I became uninterested in the MLB, NFL and NBA. All I wanted was Chelsea success. And this was around the time I stumbled across the Chelsea football fan cast and its fearless host, fearless host, Stamford Chidge. I'll say it again. Fearless host, Stamford Chidge. That's you, Chidge. My first episode turned out to be the last episode of the infamous Dr. Mart. I loved Aww. I loved the fan cast and I loved the fannies. It was it was unbelievable to see them make a temporary return and I hope they return to the fan cast sometime. The 2012 UCL run was something that nearly brought me to tears. To this day, I still don't think we get the credit we deserve for beating a great Bayern Munich side in Munich. Germans never lose shootouts allegedly. No JT, no Ramirez, I always called him Rambo, no Ivanovic. Our only hope for 2013 UCL qualification was to win the title. And we did it. I still hate the way Di Matteo was jettisoned from the club in 2013, but he will always be a legend, even to a fan who really had no idea 
who was who prior to 2012. Anyway, this email is way longer than I intended, but I've been thinking about writing to you guys for almost a year. What a manager we have right now. I truly hope we keep him for the next decade, as I have no doubt we will become a dominating force. The last thing I want to do is give my thanks to all of you guys for continuously pumping out two hours of pure entertainment for the past 400 plus episodes. I also want to thank our amazing owner, Mr. Abramovich. We're incredibly lucky to have such a great owner willing to do whatever is necessary to bring trophies to our club. Thanks again for the content. Keep the blue flag flying high up the Chelsea. Regards, Andy Kapalski. Lovely mail. I, I Lovely love mail. all these emails bigging us up, mate. More of these, please, people. Makes me feel 10 feet tall, and the boys know well, Particularly you, Chidge, at the front there. Blimey. That was rather I lovely, know. wasn't it? Really? I did pay him to write all of that, it has to be said. <laughs> I cannot tell How a lie. <clears throat> How much? Uh, te- a tenner. Oh, a tenner. Yes, that's about right. It's about the, uh, the going the going, it's going rate, right, mate. It's going this, right. This one's from Nate <coughs> Piacentino. Greetings and salutations, and back at you, Nate. Thank you for reading my email a few weeks ago. I thoroughly enjoyed listening to the talented Mr. Kidd. Thank you. Bring my silly words to life. In my previous letter, I told you the story about how I found your podcast. This time, I'd like to talk to you about how I found Jesus. No, just kidding, just kidding. Still, I did think it might be an interesting story to tell you how much how a Canadian found and fell in love with Chelsea Football Club. Well, it's not so much interesting as it is long. Let me take you back to the summer of 2006. Chris Brown was somehow top of the Billboard charts. I don't remember him at all. X-Men 3 was in theatres, ruining the franchise, and people all over the world were doing a dance called The Funky Grandpa. Hmm, that last one might not be true. But meanwhile, on the beautiful streets of Ottawa, our nation's capital, there walked a devilishly handsome university student on a short vacation for the Canada Canada Day long weekend. Side note, Canada Day weekend in Ottawa is fantastic. It's a great party city, and there's so much national pride all over town, especially around Parliament Hill. However, this year... It was different because the World Cup was going on. So amongst all of the Canada flags lining the street, there were also flags from 32 other countries better at soccer than we are. Some people find this to be disrespectful, showing your pride for another country on Canada Day. But these people are ignorant hillbillies. Canada is a country built on immigration. We are truly a multicultural society. We celebrate the fact that we're a cultural mosaic, not a melting pot. And we're also really polite. If the rest of the world was having fun with the World Cup, it would be rude not to show our support too. Now, just in case my last name doesn't give it away, I have an Italian background. I'm a second generation Canadian. My grandparents came here from Italy. Therefore, along with playing hockey, I also have to play soccer. My family is what you'd call old school and cheering for Italy is a familial obligation. Accordingly, there I was in Ottawa, (laughs) celebrating my home and native land, while at the same time supporting my Italian heritage. Since Italy was doing well and looking like real contenders, I was all in on the World Cup that year. So I took a break from being a tourist to watch some soccer. I found a nice oldie English pube. No, I I think he doesn't quite understand. (laughs) (laughs) Was he describing you there? (laughs) Brilliant. Yes. Yes, he found me. Yeah. Um, Yes, he's put pub with an E. I think perhaps I'm supposed to say pube. 
Pabe, because I wanted to watch some games with real soccer fans. The England-Portugal game was on, and sure enough, the place was packed with England fans, as well as one obnoxiously loud Portugal fan. It looked like a great atmosphere, but the only empty seat in the house was at the end of the bar, beside an impossibly old Englishman. To this day, I still believe he was Gandalf the Grey. Respectfully, I went and sat next to the old-timer and chatted him up while we watched the game together. He was either hammered drunk or suffering from dementia, probably both. Consequently, the only time I could make sense of anything he was saying was when he spoke about his favourite club team, Chelsea. He was pointing out players in the game like Lampard, Terry, Joe Cole, as well as Carvalho playing for the enemy. Portugal. He told me about how Chelsea had just won the Premier League again that year. I didn't even know what the Premier League was. And then he proceeded to tell me the entire oral history of the club, at least as remembered by a drunken wizard. Obviously, that made a memory that stuck with me to this day. He was getting a lot of playful ribbing from other people in the bar who hated Chelsea because I seem to remember that Lampard wasn't all that impressive in the game. It's impossible. I like to bust people's balls. So I was happy to stick up for poor old Gandalf and we all had a good bit of banter that afternoon. Anyways, as I'm sure you can recall, England lost in penalties, on penalties, and that loud Portugal fan needed to leave the bar for his own <laughs> safety. But besides that little bit of hostility, I love the passion that these fans had for a game that most Canadians generally think is boring and or soft. I knew I was going to be hooked. Italy would go on to win the World Cup that year. And as Bruce Dickinson would say, I had a fever and the only prescription was more football. I decided I was going to start following a club team and I felt I could hear Gandalf in my head saying, that waitress is dressed like a prostitute. Hmm, that wasn't really helpful. But then he said, Chelsea, you fool, Chelsea. So in the end, my reasons were simple. I like the fact that other people hated them. Blue is my favourite colour. They were defending champions and they reminded me of a funny old man. It may not be as emotional as many of your other listeners, but whatever. I had a fun experience. and I wanted to follow the sport, which made me want to pick a team. I chose Chelsea and I've been extremely loyal for over a decade. I should hope so. The games are on five hours earlier for me over here. Considering I was a binge drinking university student, getting up early on weekends to watch them was not realistic. But the good thing about being a soccer fan in Canada is that you can record the games and not worry about anyone spoiling the result for you because literally nobody will talk about it. 2006-07 was a great season for me to start following the club. They won the FA Cup and the League Cup, made it to the semi-finals of the Champions League and finished second in the Premier League. I was enjoying the early success my newfound obsession was having and I've never looked back since. There have been some ups and downs since I became a fan, although, although I've never actually been able to see Chelsea play live and none of my friends like the team, I do still have some pretty good stories and lifelong memories that I've made while watching this team from afar. I'll send an email in every once in a while to tell you another kind of funny story about an isolated fan supporting from Canada. Cheers. Marco, Marco, what do you, what do you as, a, as, a, as a man of Italian descent, what do you think of Nate? I, I just loved listening to that story. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, uh, yeah. Who are you supporting in the World Cup after England? Because there's well, no Italy this bizarrely, year. Bizarrely, bizarrely, my my article for CFC UK, oh. which I submitted to um, to Mr Johnston the other day, 
uh, is entitled Jesho Ikenbugi. Oh, yes. And the reason is that I'm actually going to be following Denmark um, as my default second team when England get knocked out um, because I like Andreas Christensen and because um, I can't be bothered very much with uh, Spain and France and obviously because Italy aren't going to be there, um, which is a tragedy uh, for for a whole variety of reasons. Um, But yeah, that was just great. Read that email out again. Yeah, we haven't we haven't got a, we haven't got long enough because it's it was long, no. it was very very long, but very very yeah, good. Very I was going to say Joe, Joe will be happy that you're supporting Denmark because of course by the time the World yeah. Cup comes, comes around, Joe will be Danish, I expect, married to some well, gorgeous yeah, I mean, I, I Danish like chick. That. I just yeah. like that. I was saying I, I've kind of become sort of the unofficial Andreas Christensen sort of reporter in work, which is uh, <laughs> oh you have any you? any yeah. any, t- any time he plays or any times he starts, there's literally. 15 sort of football obsessive come around to my desk and I'm like okay so so how did he do how's he playing you know what did he do I'm just like okay yeah he's playing he's playing really well just just calm down but yeah and if he doesn't play I, I sort of get the blame so I'm, I'm kind of hoping that he uh he keeps uh starting mm. right JK I'm going to make an executive decision yes uh, because that was I forgot that Nate's was such a flaming long email Nate you're a legend but yes. that was very long I so yes. um what do you reckon? I think we can probably save uh, Peter Weber, Matthew Weber, Jamie Cambeos. Is that Until it? Next week. Yeah. Yeah. One, yeah. Two. Let's do yeah, that. yeah. 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 Well, well yeah. you're top of the list next week, boys. Fear not. We will read them out. We always read the emails out, but um, we're pushed for time because when you get a show with Chidge, JK, Marco, and Joe on it, we waffle. We like to talk, and I'm afraid we have. Maxed out and then some tonight. Jonathan, as always, a brilliant read by you, dear sir. We are very privileged to have you do this. Uh, I also thought you you were. They're they're great males. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, I know you do. I know. I mean, you you also, I have to say, you were brilliant on the live pod on Saturday, actually. Uh, I I don't think we've ever done a a kind of a proper live in the pub pod together, have we? No. In the way that we. Again, yeah, and there's a guest a couple of yeah. times to party. Yeah. No. But, um, you you were on I fire. On I, I I should tell you, you you caused a stir on Facebook with your uh, Louise. Uh, I, we won't go into it now. Please don't go into it again. But you no. caused a bit of a stir on Facebook with your rumours about Louise, mate. I've been reading it all today. It's been quite funny. Anyway, we we do need to go and move on. I'm afraid, much as it really pains me to do so, because as always, I've had a blast tonight. But just to reiterate, we love receiving your emails. And we will always read them out on the show. Sometimes we won't get through them all, but we will always read them out eventually. So do send them, as you like to do, uh, to chelseafancast at gmail.com and do it before a Monday. Then it gets a chance of getting in that day's script. Uh, Right. That, I'm afraid, dear people, is all we've got time for this week. Uh, We will be back, as ever, next Monday. uh, I think that's the 11th of December at 7pm. And, of course, I'll be joined by Alex... Uh, well, JK, obviously, as always. Uh, we've also got Alex Churchill uh, and Tony Glover, and we'll be reporting back on the Atletico Madrid Champions game, uh, League game, and uh, we've got West Ham away on Saturday. Uh, I should also tell you that um, Alex requested going on the show uh, specifically uh, because she will be watching. She can't stand going down to watch uh, the, to the London Stadium, whatever they call it now. So Alex is going to watch West Ham versus Chelsea in the Football Factory uh, pub in uh, in New York. 
So there we go. She's going to be with the New York Blues. So that will be fantastic. So listen out for what she has to say about that experience. She'll be back in time to do the podcast on the Monday. That will be superb. Now, a uh, quick shout out for our website and the wonderful Keon Carbis, who puts lovely stuff up there. Uh, we've got regular content going up there. Um, we've got some good writers on there too. We'd like to have more of you. If you want to write for us, let me know. Email chelseafancast at gmail.com. Uh, one day, one day, when, when we're very privileged, we will get both Mark Worrell and Joe Tweez to write us an article, and then I can retire happy that I've actually got two people who really know their onions and who can write really well to write on there. What do you say, chaps? Yeah, definitely up for it, Judge. There we go. They didn't say no. That's brilliant. Okay. But anyway, in all seriousness, <laughs> check, check, check it out. Yeah, and as for you, Jonathan, we talked ages ago about you doing little history pieces, and that's never happened, does it? I've let you down, Chich. I've let you down. Yeah. Sort it out. I've written, get your finger out. I've been writing my... I wrote my show instead. Which I know. Is you've been, you've been busy. Yeah, we'll do a quick, First quick plug for the show. Today. Doodle. Doodle. When is it yeah, coming out? Doodle the, Doodle the musical. Um, January the 11th is the first preview. 12th, it's on at Waterloo East Theatre in Waterloo. And we had the first rehearsal today. And they all sing very well, which is a relief, let me tell Great. you. Great. The actors. Okay. Few, well, if you're in... There are 20, 20 songs in it. So it's just bloody well just that, that they do. So. Uh, well, there you go. If you want some no, high art good. and entertainment, if you want some high art and entertainment, yes. go and check it out. Uh, Jonathan's yeah, no, not in it, but he wrote it. If you want high art and entertainment, if you want high art, don't come and watch it. It's, it's just no, listen funny. to the fan cast instead. There we go. Yes. Um, all right. Uh, as I said, look, just check out ChelseaFanCast.com. You'll find it all there. You can also listen to the show live on Mixler via uh, FanCast. Just look out for the blog that I put up on a Monday. And, of course, check our Facebook uh, page out, Facebook.com forward slash ChelseaFanCast. Right. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at ChelseaFanCast, me at Stanford Cheers, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, uh, Marco at Gate17Marco, and Joe at Joe Tweedy. Uh, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Um, you've all been fantastic tonight. I've really enjoyed it. It's been a, a very erudite podcast tonight, as uh, much as it worries me to say so. Marco, you've been brilliant. As always, love having you on the show, mate, my old mucker. Cheers, mate. Fantastic. fantastic, Marco. Fantastic. Really good stuff, as always. So. I'll see you at the stall tomorrow, mate, about five o'clock. Indeed. Don't forget, I've got a, there's a pack from Kelvin. Yeah, uh, yeah. no, I, rem, I reminded myself about that. Will I get any limoncello tomorrow? I think that all went by. I think that had gone by 10.30 on Saturday morning. I'll tell you what we, what we should do in the cold winter months, Marco. I think I need to get into a habit of, stop before I come and see you, stopping by and getting a hot chocolate with uh, from uh, from Starbucks, a hot chocolate with some rum in it. Chocolat show avec rum. Oh. That's a good idea, isn't it? <laughs> I'm tempted mate I'll see you tomorrow I look forward to it as always Joe uh, it's been brilliant it's been a real pleasure having you on the show we'll get you on uh, get you back on real soon mate I promise and uh, please are you coming over at Christmas at all mate yeah I'll uh, I'll be there Boxing Day and I think there's a game after that potentially I fly back on the 5th so hopefully I'll, I'll catch two games when I'm uh, oh excellent Excellent. Well, we must try and catch up. Um, if yeah, I'm allowed out yeah. on Boxing Day, I'll be there. But I'll, I'll definitely see you for the other one, if not that. So, great. We can catch up and have a bit of a chinwag in Gate 17, as always. Yes. Yeah. Great stuff. Um, thanks again. Uh, Jonathan, as always, you are an absolutely huge hero and a legend. It's lovely doing the show with you. Thanks so much for doing it, as always. No, thank you. And it's lovely to be on the show with, with two uh, greats like Joe and uh, Mark. Yeah. Fantastic. Been fun, Fantastic. Hasn't it? I'm far more famous than all of us put together. Though. God, that's true. But he—he's he, not like Mark Clattenburg. He's not like Mark Clattenburg. He plays it down. 
Yeah, no, but also my, my knowledge is, uh, I bow down to both your, 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 your abilities, to, your knowledge of the team is great, so good for you, wonderful. You'll never hear um, Jonathan you... refer to himself in the third person. Hi, Jonathan Kidd. Hi, Jonathan Kidd. <laughs> yes, indeed. Hi, right, Jonathan we got to go. Uh, you lovely Kidd people. Both Joe Tweets and, uh, uh, and, uh, and Marco. Stuff. You lovely people you in Mixler, you've been brilliant as always. Great to see so many of you in there. Thank you so much. Right, thanks for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Up the chills! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.